0: Yes. What's next for Team Zissou? Well, that was only part one. It's a cliffhanger. Now I'm going to go hunt down that shark, or whatever it is, and hopefully kill it. I don't know how yet. Maybe
1: dynamite. Prepare the virgin. This is film sack. Oh sure. Hello everyone and welcome back to Film Sack. This is Film Sack, mining the very v- depths of film entertainment for all mankind. I'm Scott Johnson. This is episode 367 and I'm joined by Brian. He's like one of those smart scouting dolphins,
2: Dunaway. Mm, something something dumb. Oh, hi! Hi. Dear Mr. Zisu. my name is Brian and I'm 11 and a half years old. Today, my mom took me to see her latest documentary. As you can imagine, I have questions. Most are related to oceanic curiosity, and others, well, nipples. I couldn't help but notice that you have nipples around the size of Tic Tacs, while others in your crew have have the size of up to and exceeding pepperonis. Why is this? Is there an evolutionary reasoning behind this phenomenon? Also, my mother requests that the harlot put on a t-shirt. I assume she is talking about the guy Max now to dinner plate size. Well... I think that about covers my nipple questions. Now on to more aquatic type queries. Do the fish have nipples? My mom says no. Her boyfriend says maybe. <laughs> Regards. Also, possibly your son. Brian, now, for now, Zizu, wow. September 19th, 1983. Wow. 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 wow.
1: Uh. Owen Wilson. They're going to get in a lot of that here in a minute. Uh, Well done. That was great. Also with us uh, and joining us, Randy, all of his parts will stop motion. Sorry, all of his parts were stop motion in this podcast. Jordan.
3: Aloha, Scott. Brian. Brian. Hi. Fish. Podcasting. From the snowy peaks of the Rocky Mountains to the harsh Colombian jungle and all over the damn American South. People wearing... Headsets package observations about life and happenings, and they talk, and listeners listen. Well, wow. Supposedly, <laughs> Laporte and his cronies invented the idea of putting casts into the pod, but we made ours with a special frog in the pants so we could pipe in some fun. <laughs> Awkward silence. Nice.
2: Wow. I like how you did the old E.L.R. intro. Yeah, that was,
1: was, I haven't heard that in so long, but it immediately just started pulling my brain into. That was amazing. Yeah, well done. Wow. Uh, also with us, and finally, <laughs> wow. we have we have with well, us wow. <laughs> wow. Brian. Don't shoot him; he's an unpaid intern. Ibbet.
0: <laughs> uh Thank you for that introduction, Scott. And now I'd like to introduce our guest director for this episode of FilmSack, Mr. Wes Anderson. Great. Um, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, before we get started here, I'm going to need a few things. Um, first, we're going to be replacing the usual background music with a three-minute loop of Sufjan's, Sufjan Stevens um, singing a song where the only lyrics are la, 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 la. Um, it's a really sweet song, and the title is um, like 20 words long, but it's got a couple commas and an exclamation point. Um, Randy, I'm going to need you to slide over to your left about 11 inches so that we're perfectly balanced in frame. I know it's a podcast, but the listener can hear balance in their, in their ears' mind. Um, Okay, we've got two on the left two on the right, and um, go ahead and leave some space here in the middle, because uh, we're going to be adding Owen Wilson as a regular. Um, Owen, step on in here, and um, don't say that three-letter word that everyone's totally expecting you to say. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. Yeah, I get that. Okay, I get that. Um, all right, and speaking of which, um Dunno, I'm going to need you to wear this bright orange jumpsuit, and okay, we're going to take it from the top again, but this time we're going to introduce the host silently by zooming in really close on their faces and superimposing their names on screen
2: in 64-point future extra bold. <laughs> Ah, the Wes Anderson formula. That's right. Oh, yeah, there's
0: the music. There's the music. Oops, yeah. I forgot to cue the music. No, I had it going
1: the whole time in the back. You couldn't hear it because oh, you were talking Oh, I couldn't it. hear it. Yeah, <laughs> people at home will hear it. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah it was really good. <laughs> that was awesome. Well done. It's uh, a very Wes Anderson episode of Life Aquatic. Uh, sorry, a film sack. <laughs> 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 the movie is Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Now, I uh, would like to make it up front known that I have seen every Wes Anderson movie that he has ever made and loved them all there's not one i don't like except i hadn't seen this one and i don't exactly remember why it got missed i just never got around to it i do have a a, a weird memory in the back of my head that some review somewhere said this isn't up to the standard we expect from the director of bottle rocket and Rushmore. And what's the other one um, that he, Oh, the uh, Royal tandem bombs. His mm-hmm. third movie isn't quite what we expected. Rah, rah, rah. And I remember that and going, Oh, well then I'll just see this on video. Maybe I don't need to worry about theaters. I love Wes Anderson. I'm sure it'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah. And then I just never did. I just never saw it. So I would like to make two statements. Number one, perfect record. There's not a Wes Anderson movie. I don't like, I like them all a lot. Mm-hmm. And, right. uh, the second thing I was going to say is, don't listen to reviewers. They can sometimes <laughs> mess you up for fifteen years. Yeah, true story. <laughs>
3: you you can understand though uh, why in two thousand four people coming off of having seen Royal Tenenbaums and Rushmore felt let down, right? I get, I get that? it. Sure,
1: it's kind of like saying it's it's uh, you know what it's like. Um, uh, it, this must be what it feels like for any director where they've just come off some of their best work or or their or where you thought their trajectory was and then they mm. come in and they do something that's a little different tonally or or is a little less serious or a little less um you know uh, subject I, matters a little less whatever and they go in a different direction and i can see why people were like oh th- okay this is not where i thought we were going after this is what's bombs. happening now, huh? okay. yeah yeah i get that <laughs> I, I totally get
3: that i actually I, it actually i made me realize we kind of trip into stuff like this on film sack all the time like we watched Last Action Hero for our hundredth episode, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And the the discussion there has to be about how the reviewers, the initial reviewers, hated the movie, and it's because they were following Terminator Two and Total Recall. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. and so like they had they had expectations that this couldn't possibly live up to.
1: Sure. I, I, I and I get that. I. I am happy to report, though, I, it's in my favorites now. I really liked it, yeah. like, a yeah, lot. Yeah,
0: it, but it's funny you say that, you know, the the initial um, responses to this film, because I remember not liking it at the time, not liking it as much as the other ones, and watching it again last night and this morning, um, had to split it in two parts, because <laughs> things got crazy yesterday, but yeah. um, enjoyed it so much more than I did the first time I saw it. I mean, it's, I don't know if it was just if it's just been a while since I've seen a Wes Anderson thing, because I don't think I've seen anything since Grand Budapest Hotel, and I know he's had a couple things, or at least something since then. But that was
3: his last big film. Yeah, he's
1: done a couple of shorts since then, but nothing theatrical. His next big one is this uh, dog. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that look interesting? It looks so good. Oh my gosh, I freaking can't wait. I mean, I loved Fantastic Mr. Fox, so him returning to animation is super exciting on that level, but Yeah, like he mm, I'm okay, so I'm going to add to what you just said by saying uh, I usually this isn't always true. It depends on the film sack movie, but but especially the ones I haven't seen. Sometimes it's like, oh, I've this is really grabbing me. And then there are other times I'm like, oh, I should check Twitter real quick while the scene is long. (laughs) You know, I kind of get a little distracted here or there or whatever. I didn't have any of that here. And these are the kind of movies Mm. that if you show this to like a 10 year old, they're bored out of their skull.
3: Yeah. Don't I right, know. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But my ten year old my
2: ten year old actually got up and walked out. Yeah. She was very excited at first because she was like, Oh, is this about the ocean? I was like, Yes, it is. Sit down, sit us, yeah. spill. Yeah. And she was like five minutes in, out. Yeah, you
3: can't and Wes so...
1: Anderson's not for the young. There's no way.
3: Well, and no, I just it... I just want to acknowledge this is an R-rated movie. I knew that going yes. in. I knew there was gonna I be a not. lot of cursing. Yeah. I just <laughs> wanted to see if it opened with any bad stuff because you know my kid would sit there, and I wanted to see how he took it in, whether he was amazed <laughs> by the bright colors or what, you know, what have you. Sure, sure. sure. And he was out within seconds. Yeah, like yeah, right. He, he turned to, he turned to uh you know to the device that he was going to play some game on with before really before the credits had finished the opening bit. <laughs> oh yeah now now yeah, he's us.
1: he's killing pigs with the angry birds with gusto at this point cuz yeah. the way the
3: way that that thing folds out like
1: any Wes Anderson movie you you just can't be 10 or younger it's just not going to work for you right. but when you when you're you're older and you got a nuanced appreciation for what's happening on screen the color choices the way that he frames things basically all the stuff that Ibot was parroting in his in his mm-hmm. in his intro there it's astoundingly uh unique for him, like to yeah, him, I should yeah. say it's story, it's almost like a storybook, like a living
0: pop up book mm-hmm. right that you know you're turning the page and you're getting that that again that balance between the two pages and the, con- the content is right there. it's bright colors it's yeah. um
2: it's, it's what a it's, like yeah it is is almost explained in this movie because Bill Murray's character Steve Zizu uh, says that his favorite age is eleven and a half, and I think that's a reflection of what wes Anderson feels. Yeah. And I feel like it's a view from an adult of what you thought your 11 and a half year old mind enjoyed. Even though maybe it did back when he was 11 and a half. But right. today's kids at 11 and a half, eh, probably not going to appreciate it. And there's a little bit of innocence involved as well because there's a topless lady very early on, but it's in such an innocent nonchalant that, weird way. Non, a non-sexual yeah. way. Just
0: like a yeah, yeah, whatever, I'm topless. This and is it how tells I, you the story immediately.
1: Her story is immediately apparent. You see her and you yeah. go, oh, she's uh, a tough cookie but doesn't care, and this is this kind of crew doesn't care. Nobody's lusting after right. her. She's okay. just walking around. Like, you just immediately get that, and he's good at that. He's really good at illustrating that without too much trouble. But I would even go so far to say, uh, so Wes Anderson's our age, but he's exactly our age almost, uh, May mm. of 69, I think, because he was born. Uh, so when he was 11 and a half or 12 <clears throat> he was subjected to the same weird late 60s colorized uh, educational films Cousteau. like the right. yeah that era of yeah. like uh, of, of documentary the first
0: wild, uh, student, wild, like the first uh, movies your wife, uh, first to watch as a student. Yes. <laughs> like, he, and, and,
3: the and,
2: Wild Kingdom, Mutual Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Yeah, it's right. his, I it's, always wonder, so it yeah.
3: given that Mutual of Omaha sounds like a place from Nebraska, I always right. wonder how far and wide those got. Like, mm. uh, Is it just us? Like, If somebody's listening to this from Japan or England or something, do they have no idea? I would like, like to know. like
2: England probably shared... In that because there's a lot of those dry they, type shows documentaries from that era yeah they had their own absolutely you're right mm-hmm. but I think they were definitely exposed to it. I don't know what the Japanese were watching doc mm-hmm. I can't speak to that but uh, well, I definitely okay. feel like I knew some English people I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna watch. play a little bit of this you can see Just give a little memory
1: here <laughs> doesn't it eventually go bör 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 çoc- yeah. see i think i think it was uh i mean it was a staple of tv we would catch after school or whatever it was like and uh
0: immediately followed by disney's wide world of color or something like that right, right, right. it was
1: like uh a... mm-hmm. yeah yeah and they were aiming it at us i felt like it was aimed at, uh, uh, at kids more than it was adults but it was also For like sure. serious nature stuff like the rabbit reproduces four times a year in the middle of the tree or whatever. And you would just sort of get into this. And, uh, and, and I have to think that, I mean, today, anybody, anywhere can go on YouTube and find this intro or, or these references or sometimes full episodes, but they don't know to seek it out because maybe they weren't exposed to it. They don't, you know, they don't have any kind right. of, nostalgia right. Yeah, for they, this. They wouldn't know to look for it. Sure. sure. But his, his eye is dead set in this, this stuff. Like this is, this is it now he takes it further than that, and I think enhances it, and it's not just that, but like the fake little documentary portions of the movie where they're out doing stuff is dead on for that yeah. feeling that you had when you it's, were that age that yeah, feeling. it's definitely
3: uh overextended yeah. right they, like the there's little things like the like I, I was talking about the color palette like the where it's it's taken to a saturation degree that was not possible thirty years ago, right 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 but but yes it's it's clear that he has this sort of old colored comic books style of seeing things Mm -hmm. that he wants to come through yeah and he seems
1: like he forces it to happen because how else are you getting this done like you just yeah there's no way to
3: have it
0: uh, come across and it's got to be deliberate there's no way to, to accidentally make it look like this
1: and i wonder if he's like um you know like I always want what it's like to be on set with him or on location with him. Because <laughs> right. like Brian Brian's intro kinda of reminded me of this, but when you're out in the middle of I don't know, wherever they were, parts of Italy filming this thing, is he a giant pain in the ass because one tree one side of the frame has one tree more than it should and <laughs> Right. You know, like
3: you definitely if you watch the extras on his films, you get the feeling that he takes a long damn time to set up a shot. Yeah. Then, I believe you
0: know, it. I wonder like I wonder how long it takes to do a Wes Anderson film uh, in relation to other
3: films. Again, I, given just what they talk about in the extras, the answer is longer than planned. Yeah. They always go over <laughs> their their time frame to get shots. But, but he gets
1: the he gets the shot. Oh, right? always gets the he, shot. Yeah, I mean that's it's the thing. It feels like the the patience pays off, and you and you. I don't know. It's it's an admirable thing. It's like a it's like a. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like, I'll bet I'll bet the reason he's interested in his next film being another animated film the way it was with Fantastic Mr. Fox is that he gets to control that in a way that he doesn't with live action. So in that case, he and those he hires for, you know, set creation uh, and all that, they get to decide those color palettes, that kind of range of, of color the, and, and, and literally how things are organized on screen. Like composition is completely handcrafted instead of having to deal with real life places where you can't control that uh, or right. you have less control over that. So you have to be more picky or whatever. I'll bet I'll bet that's why we're seeing in return to well, the,
3: this, this film had animation in it. Tons of animation. Oh, and, and I did, loved I, it. Yeah. Can, the goofy little sea
0: animals and stuff were fantastic.
3: <laughs> Like at, at at first you might be a bit thrown and feel like oh god, this is off out of place it's taking it's like taking the film to this imagine imaginarium right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but once you get used to it it actually feels like that is the that is reality like the this is this is not a different universe it's just you know the the way these people see certain creatures basically mm-hmm. yeah
1: and I loved that that was my favorite choice and it's a it's a daring one because you're right I think there I know so many people. Who would hate this movie? Like, they would just sit there and watch this and go, what are we doing? Why is this happening? They need, you know, the eighth Transformers movies to be happy, the people I'm talking about. (laughs) And this, this to me, though, is delightful. The minute they showed that stop motion seahorse all colored up like it was, I just went, oh, that's how we're going to do this? That's amazing. And I didn't know that was what they were going to do. And so I looked forward to every wildlife scene with huge anticipation Cause, and it was really like neat animation. And there's a scene, you guys, I choked on whatever I was drinking. It was so funny to me when he is sitting there talking to, um, uh, what's her name, Adams, uh, freaking his, his wife. Angelica, oh, oh, Houston. Oh,
0: oh. Angelica Houston. Angelica yeah. Houston
1: yeah. in that room. And there's a lizard on his hand. And he looks <laughs> yeah. down on it, sees it okay. moving in this little stop motion way, and then just
2: flicks it into the oblivion. I don't know why that caught me so funny, but I was laughing so hard because he's so, he's so enamored with animals. You think he has this high reverence for them, but then here's this thing. And it's like, get off. Yeah, you, get think off. He's gonna do so- you think right. he's going to do something gentle, but he doesn't. He right. does something very exactly. aggressive. <laughs>
0: I mean, he's like the worst. That's the, the whole worst. joke, because you know this animal
1: uh, documentarian that kind right. of seems to hate animals a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's also now one of my favorite Bill Murray movies. I loved him in this. Yes. I thought he was yeah. perfectly cast, and I know he's in every Wes Anderson movie, so well, and, it's not and
3: specifically you know, cast. Wes Anderson doesn't work with people who are conventionally attractive and good actors. He works with people who are really quirky looking. And and I I think it I think it's a you know that choice is about how they look yeah. like more than anything like how does it, how does this person look when I look at them through a window mm-hmm, is sure. it is it something where you look and go wait who is this what are they yeah. like where you're constantly questioning and
1: even and when like, he even when he plays with beauty it's interesting cuz like you I think you're 100% right on most of the characters but Kate Blanchett who is like objectively beautiful and never ages and is an incredible actress to boot uh in this She's also, but she she is also kind of weird, you know. Like she's always been a little bit weird. She's
3: she's she's given a a funny looking haircut the Mm -hmm. entire movie. Yeah, you know, and it's like, uh, like even when even when she's like standing outside. And she's wearing, uh, uh, you know, some nice clothes. They've got this ridiculous belly peeking through everything, so, <laughs> right. to make sure that you you look at her and go, "What? It, huh? Yeah, like th- this yeah. weird thing. Something is slightly discordant
1: person. about her. She's just something a little off,
0: and mm-hmm. it's yeah. and it's wonderful. And I mean,
3: Luke, uh, Owen Wilson is one of the ugliest people ever that God ever made. <laughs> and, wow. And so no, seriously, he really you is. You say that in a film with Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's what I was. That's what I was going to get at. Like. Yeah, like, Owen Wilson looks just fine because he's surrounded by all of these other people who are also funny-looking, not ugly, yeah, right? Right, just, just you know, weird. not funny-looking. Yeah.
2: You know what I found fascinating about Owen Wilson's introduction into the movie? I mean, when you actually when they put Bill Murray face-to-face with Owen Wilson, I couldn't tell because it was a profile view, and I couldn't tell if they put a prosthetic or if they chose that angle because that is the angle that Bill Murray... And Owen Wilson most resemble mm. but their noses, profile wise, are almost identical. And I couldn't tell profile, if they put a prosthetic on it? Yeah. Right. I think
3: they did. Because when you look at when you look at their like publicity photos, their noses aren't as similar as they were in the right. right. Yeah, right. If, you,
2: if you look straight on, don't by the way, don't look straight on at Owen Wilson's nose. <laughs> but if you do no, look straight on. I was gonna say that's that's when yeah,
0: that's when any similarities end is yeah. the straight on look at Owen Wilson's
1: thing. No, all, all you think I mean I the uh, they're, I look at Owen Wilson's nose head on and I just think go get that fixed what are you doing like what are you doing
2: yeah, you know it, he's it's now part looking.
1: of him i get it and we all don't want I, I don't want to see owen wilson with a fixed nose i don't want that i, I don't know. want to put that out there no. but you know we're used to i mean it
0: you pretty much can because that's what uh, luke looks like you know
1: give luke blonde <laughs> yeah hair that's, what, that's what owen wilson would look like if handsome nose was fixed. yeah handsome good
2: looking um, uh although <laughs> these days i don't know if you've seen luke wilson lately we a little, she- uh, yeah. The first time I ever saw Luke Wilson was when, where he played the handsome, uh, was it a doctor or something in X Files? Uh, Scully had like a thing for him. Oh really? oh, really? You guys remember that? Yeah. No, I don't remember and, that. Uh, yeah, I remember him being like the handsome guy. He was a little more cut back in the day.
1: Certainly, like if you go watch uh, uh, Bottle Rocket, the Wes Anderson's first movie when he's working with those two, they they're both just young, spry, twenty-something, good-looking dudes. Luke Wilson right. now is a little. He got a little job of the hut coming up, just a little bit. <laughs> But uh he, he's but, he's fine. Like,
3: I actually actually feel like there's an exception that proves the rule in this movie, and that's uh Robin Cohen, who only exists in, in the film in the in that group of people to have her to be topless in a couple of shots. Like she's not he right. he he never figures out a reason for that character. And well she's
1: she, a mutinist, like, she's mutinied later, right?
3: Like that's the right. thing. But that's about it, yeah. Uh, but other than her you have like people like waris uh, uh alu walia waris Alu-Wallia, uh bud court uh you know these guys they're uh, michael gambon yeah. dumbledore 2 is in this film Oh yeah, yeah. I, t- oh, right. I told that to my
2: i told that to my kid i'm like that's dumbledore you're yeah. like no it's not they, yeah, they head people, to the phones <laughs> these people are all in this
0: film <laughs> totally uh, didn't, uh, i didn't realize that yes of course dumbledore totally was. totally
2: dumbledore 2
0: yeah.
3: yes you know like they're 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 Big purpose is to come together in the end and be all packed together in this submarine and to all look weird. Yeah. And like, Mm -hmm. and like it even, it's even driven into your brain by these shots of looking at individuals through windows. Mm -hmm. And and like I say, the Waris uh, al Walia the the camera guy yeah like these these profile pictures of him holding a camera right up against his chin like you would do that yeah. like right. just it just you know ridiculous looking yeah it's it, so good
1: it's so good it's is my favorite I'm I mean I'm I'll say it now I'll put my flag in the ground my favorite Willem Dafoe movie of all time <laughs> oh my wow. god I loved him in this loved 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 him I found him to be adorable and interesting yeah. and ugly and weird and all the things that Willem Dafoe is naturally this is like his best
2: place to do that like I loved it I loved his role yeah it was yes, amazing yeah what about what about his John Wick role where he's kind of like oh that was all John right Wick. but that I was really
1: that's just you You can phone that in that's just him talking Yeah. you know but, like this is him being all like the most passive aggressive easily feeling hurt German uh <laughs> underwater guy right? with a dumb hat if on gun
0: oversensitive yeah how come you have picked
3: him first yeah thanks
1: for <laughs> picking me and he turns the other way like his klaus is <laughs> is delightful and i couldn't yeah, totally, get yeah. couldn't get enough of it i want You completely
3: more forget that willem dafoe was born in wisconsin and has lived in hollywood for the last 35 right. years yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Completely, yeah. yeah you never you
2: never once forget that owen wilson is not from kentucky <laughs> not, one, not one time yeah I, that's what, a good point
3: was that do you i feel like that was the biggest goof in the film like the biggest mistake was yep. not holding Owen Wilson to his accent.
1: Um, maybe. Right, right. I I mean, I kind of, I, I agree, but if, I wouldn't put it past, and this maybe leads to another discussion about Wes Anderson's approach to things, but I think that he knew that and played that up to be weird
2: and feel off. Yeah, I. but I like quirky, but I didn't feel quirky. It just felt wrong. I'm going to say that was, yeah, my least favorite Part of the movie. By the way, I love the movie. This is my first viewing of the movie. Oh. I loved it. I loved it. Oh wow, I, I loved it so much that I literally stopped taking show notes after about fifteen minutes. I said, "No, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna sit and enjoy this." And this is probably my favorite movie we have watched on FilmSack. Not necessarily the most appropriate for FilmSack, but definitely the most. Uh, it, it landed in my top ten pretty quickly. Uh, easily
1: for me too. Yeah, maybe even top yeah.
2: top three. I, I mean mm-hmm. I, I really liked it,
1: and this is not um, this is unusual yeah. for us. like we don't mm-hmm. we don't normally in fact, we don't hunt things out for their goodness. sometimes we know they're good, but we think they're important to talk about, like breakfast club or something. Um,
3: but, i I wonder because i I came away from Darjeeling Limited feeling the same way, like here I am. Middle-class white American, this movie is for me. Mm. And then I never saw it again. Like I, mm-hmm. I thought it was just the best thing ever. But then I never, I don't, you know, I haven't seen Grand Budapest Hotels twice. Uh, and I remember thinking that was a wonderful film. So I, I don't know. I don't know if 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 we're, you know, if Wes Anderson has this kind of like a uh, latent thing, like where you you come away feeling like it's the best thing ever, and then you kind of oh, move it was well, it's
2: exhausting. I mean to. To switch gears into a Wes Anderson film, I we was talking about this pre-show. Once you're in, it affects your the rest of your day, it right? Does. Maybe even yeah. two days. You're yeah. just especially, kind of like... A, go especially ahead.
0: Especially when you watch the first half of a Wes Anderson film. Right. One day oh, yeah. And you yeah. finish it the next day. Everything yeah. you look at is like, oh, I guess we're going to a lacrosse game night? No, we're going to see a wonderful battle <laughs> of... Um, of uh, proportions of lacrosse, you know, like <laughs> it completely changes shape and completely becomes. Yeah, it else. is. It,
1: he creates this thing on the edge of reality that does kind of alter what you're thinking. And I like your, I like Dunaway's description that you're kind of exhausted by them, like watching this movie. Uh, there, there are parts in this movie where your brain is really working overtime, and and by that I mean like, um. So, all right, so early on in the movie, they have this 140 foot replica, um, of this of the ship. The Belafonte, by the way, oh, which is sliced right in half or, you know, it's a cross section and they have all these working rooms and everything. And, and it's but it's like watching a diorama or something. It's super yes. cool. And I thought, oh, well, that's that'll be the end of that. That's just his little description of the ship. And and they say they spent all their money on this. and Now, later, I'll never see that again. And for the no. most part, when they're on the ship and the, uh, it, it's hallways and normal ship stuff and no big deal. But then there is this great scene. Where Steve's just kind of tearing through the place, yelling at people, having this argument with with uh, the with uh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. And they do it in the cross section thing. Yeah,
3: yeah. And it's and so you realize, it's like a, it's, it's like a realize,
2: stage. It's like a stage performance. They bounce back and forth. Yeah, I love and a that. Stage yeah. Yeah. and yeah. they
3: foot yeah. wide set that yeah. they could actually do all this stuff in. Like it's not mm-hmm. just it's not just a big funny set in a brightly lit hangar. But, like, they, they plumbed it so that the sauna works and all this kind of stuff.
1: Oh, my gosh, the sauna. It's so stupid. Like, what a dumb ship, but so amazing. And every time the power would go out, I would smile, not because it was frustrating or not because I thought they were relying on that too much, but because I just loved the ship. I just love yeah. that freaking mm-hmm. ship, the color
2: it of it Quirky, oh, quirky yeah. character just like everything else in a Wes Anderson account. You, yeah. you could
3: make you could make like a fifty bullet point list of all the things that were built into that ship. Like mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. they right. took it so far and then there's like a helipad and you're like, What? Yeah. How is there a helipad?
1: All right. That doesn't that doesn't fit. No, <laughs> it doesn't. That there's a whirly bird at all, or that there's yeah. this submarine that thirty people can get in. Uh, and and go down with a
3: sign on the front dash that says maximum six passengers that's so
1: great i mean it's just glory it's glorious and i it's this is hard for us because we usually like to pick something apart i'm if i had to find a negative it would be i don't know i don't know i've got some negatives all right give me your let's let's (laughs) let's go around and talk about anything we didn't like because i'm having a hard time finding much
3: uh i i i found it jarring and take me out of the film every time there was suddenly an action sequence it was uh it was shot and depicted very comedically right mm-hmm. but for, but steve zisu being a uh, suddenly like a james bond badass was all wrong <laughs> you mean the gun
0: I, like the gun uh, the pirates uh yeah, scene? yeah. i love it it that there, scene but there were two, there were two so... of them
1: but he was so goofy about it. It wasn't like yeah. um, his gun control know, like he was really good.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Plus, he's in this aquamarine shitty, uh, <laughs> you know, bathrobe and his underwear just underneath, and and right. there and his hat still somehow is on. Like
0: the most damage he does to anybody, is shoots somebody in the neck, and I'm sure he's aiming to do worse.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See that? But, that's what that's what makes me curious about the the. Who's telling the story? Right, so, the reality of it. Yeah, right, I, yeah, I, I yeah, was too. Yeah. And there's
3: actually a scene where you see it one way, and then you realize everybody was actually something else. Like, right, I, I right. forget, I forget what it was. But, but my my point is, it it was like, I kind of wish that the action sequences had had stayed in in universe, so to speak. Like, if he had repelled the pirates by using all of these different quirks of the boat itself. Rather right. than just running at them, shooting a gun wildly, you know what I'm saying? Like it just, it just felt it didn't feel like that character. Like he's too cool to to be cool, right? That's the thing about Steve Zissou, right? Mm-hmm. No, and I right, agree you know with that. He's,
1: he's he's yes, and but I but I didn't think that that detracted from that. I felt like that added to that for me, because it right, was but- it was ridiculous and over the top and dumb. And also those pirates and- are the worst shots of all time. Right, but the mu- it, it's how with the music Jack
2: Cousteau, right it was kind of like how Jack Cousteau and those guys were all portrayed <clears throat> they those guys from that era they they would go out and go on these adventures and you're like who is this old man how in the world does he possibly think he can handle any type of adventure and so they kind of a, a, addressed it a little bit here and yeah I, it's, it's both it's both a problem right Randy I, I agree with you with this like the look of it is kind of weird where he's like literally just waving the gun around when he's shooting and it's, it, it feels weird and it's like i can't tell if i'm supposed to be nervous here or am i supposed to be what am i supposed to be right now right. so i felt a little bit confused uh, with what was going on I, and i guess
3: point. i guess another part of that and it, this is not a huge complaint this is a very minor complaint but it's such a uh it's such a cast of weird characters that I didn't enjoy the parts where they're all knocked out of the action and we're just focusing on Steve Zisu. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, like when they break into Hennessy's uh, tower on the sea, <laughs> uh, they're all there. You see them all, you see them all doing things. Zisu's telling them what to do, go steal the cappuccino machine. And yeah. then, you know what I'm saying? So that's great, I love that. But then, when uh, ultimately, when they storm... The kidnappers' uh, hideout on uh, Port Alpatois, <laughs> 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 where they like it, ultimately ends up just being Steve outside some doors shooting a gun at all the kidnappers. And, and then Dynamite. Friend. Yeah, and then right. Dynamite, and it's like I, I don't know. I want the whole cast to have things to do. It's it. I, I, that's just mm-hmm. it's one of those it's,
0: things. It's much better as an ensemble comedy when you've got.
2: Everybody doing something that doesn't just focus on Bill Murray's character, right? Yeah, yeah. no, she got a great cast of characters. We didn't even talk about Jeff Goldblum. Team for half a oh my team. good lord!
1: I, oh, right. I, I didn't right. even yeah. expect him on there, and when he showed up, I went, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit!" I love him. <laughs> I love him. What is this for? Why is he in this? And he's already right. entered in 2004. He had already entered that new phase of Jeff Goldblum life, which is the good, the good Jeff Goldblum. Yes, yeah. the one that's so ah, oh,
0: the yeah. so good okay. one. And let's
3: uh, let's answer your question. What is what is he doing there? Well, he's wearing a white tracksuit and sunglasses. <laughs> he's the well, he's
0: best. A, he's actually wearing Mark Mothersbaugh's glasses. Devo. Yeah, uh, from, really? Yeah. I didn't even oh, notice that. that. Last, yeah. Oh, I didn't know Custom, that. Um, Custom made for Mark Mothersbaugh, according to the trivia, and without them, uh, Mark is completely blind.
3: So, okay. really, <laughs> Yeah. He's, he's he's just outright creeping on Angelica Houston. That right, whole <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> that's wow. his job. Yeah,
2: yeah. I uh, I I love him. Gosh dang I love Angelica him. Angelica Houston played Angelica Houston. Oh yeah, she totally yeah, and she right.
1: she shows up in the in his movies a lot. The last, well, I mean, she was in the um the last one, uh, the uh, Royal Tannenbaums bombs as well, and was great in that. Uh, she's great here, although I mean maybe a little underused, but whatever. There's a scene where she's in the the um observation pod thing, <laughs> where mm-hmm. her face is like up near the window and mm-hmm. she can see outside. It is the weirdest looking shot, like. Mm-hmm like that big that big face she has just look at the
2: little portal it's so weird to me i love how she shows up and says today so many times though i mean she just shows up and it's like here i am yeah now you know things are gonna go right this is what's
1: great because she could have shown up and in any other movie would have been they would have had music and it would
2: have seemed like
1: oh this is the thing instead she shows up they look at her, the camera zooms in, and the thing she says is, somebody please pay the water tax. <laughs> <laughs> it pans over and there's a guy waving back Yeah, there. like a little local <laughs> waving. I loved all that kind of dialogue, anything yeah. like that. Anytime Steve Zissou yeah. is trying to talk to Kate Blanchett about his crush on her, is yeah. hilarious. He's like, why don't you swear like regular people? She's like, <laughs> <I don't, laughs> like that, that whole conversation, I was dying, I was dying. I don't think I've laughed this hard in a while either on a sh- movie we've done. That's it, it was
3: it, it. felt like the film that that comedy style was the basis for all of Portlandia. Yeah, 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 right. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, in fact, you know what? I think Portlandia owes a lot to Wes Anderson. Yes. You don't really I think, think about it. I think
3: Fred Armisen needs to kick back yeah. to Wes Anderson, <laughs> or at least <laughs> me- at least mention
1: it. You know, like at least say, "Well, yeah, thanks, Wes Anderson, for all the inspiration," because it's hard to sort of deny that, but yeah it's i don't know i don't know what else to even say about it that's even remotely negative i, I did like the fact that uh there's well okay give me give you me some of this trivia we'll see if any of this holds up uh so during the filming apparently bill murray became a certified diver logging 40 hours of diving uh i don't know if that's true but i kind of like this idea that like keanu reeves before him <laughs> Heat, right, uh, the skydiving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he decides he wants to make that a thing in he, his life.
3: He did He did say in the extras that he uh, spent a lot of time in the water. Mm. And, and he was really, like, he felt some kind of, like, uh, resentment toward uh, uh, Willem Dafoe, who mm. didn't have mm. to spend any time in the water. Oh, weird. Right. <laughs> because I, I am Klaus. Some... Sorry.
2: <laughs> right. I do have something negative to say about the film, and I think it's just, I don't maybe the age of the film. The... I, while I did enjoy certain aspects of the, uh, the stop motion animation they kind of did, and maybe some of the CG stuff they did uh, with the animals, some of it fell pretty hard and flat in places. Like, what do you mean? Uh, like visually. the Jaguar, like visually, the Jaguar Shark. I don't think that really, I mean, it's 2004, now it's, you know, 2018. I don't really think that was impressive. And I think they could have shown it less at this point because I think we were supposed to be, you know, breathtakingly taken back by the jaguar shark. Well, the fa- I think we I, were supposed. When, sub- I, when, see, I, and when I, I saw it, I didn't feel it, but I could feel it through the actors. So more of seeing the actors' reactions and less of actually seeing the shark, I think, would have. See now, this is this right. is
1: interesting. I think this actually leads to an interesting discussion. It's something Randy brought up before the show. I think that that was intentional to have it be a gaudy, badly rendered CGI almost, yeah, tiger shirt,
0: paper mache. Yeah, thanks. And I think they
1: fun. and I think they did that in 2004. We had plenty of tech. It's not this was not a problem to make a realistic animal. So I don't think I don't they were aiming. I don't Fish? think they were aiming for that. I think they were aiming for that. Everything up till now has been quaint and stop motion. This is gaudy, ugly. Uh, and also everyone in that ship is like holy shit he wasn't lying that wasn't made up there was really a tiger shark in here and it's so over the top it's so bad it's good like that's what i thought he was trying to do now i say that and your interpretation of it is different randy's comment before we started the show today was maybe he's just so not a good filmmaker that it's come back around that he's a great filmmaker
3: do you know Maybe, what I mean? No, what I said, let me, let me, yeah, restate so I get that right. Yeah. Because you were like, you were like, great, great filmmaker, greatest filmmaker. Like, what if he is the only one willing, the only person out there who's willing to make films that are so aggressively mediocre? Mm. Like, what if everyone else is shooting for the moon and missing? Right. It's like, no, we're going to just. You know what I'm saying? We're going right, right. to uh, like uh, this this joke where you look into the camera stoically or bl- you look like you're looking 10,000 feet away and I just hold it on you forever. And, like that's a joke that really only works a couple times. And mm-hmm. then the rest of the film, you don't even really notice it. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I'm just going to steer into that. I'm going to have that joke 15 times, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. No, like, aggressive
1: like, mediocrity is a great is a great statement. But God, I, it's so hard for me to consider a mediocre because I feel like he
0: excels at the thing that he tries to do. Uh, mediocre to me is like you know michael bay settling into a rhythm of of explosion here car chase here you
3: know i want to support you like you're like this is great i feel that right like you watch this and you feel this is great and and i i support you and the reason i support you in that argument is because you're not gonna find this anywhere else right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like you would think if this is, you know, like if this is easy to do, there'd be lots of movies like this. right? Yeah. So
0: you're saying like mediocre, not mediocre is in mediocre quality, but mediocre style of delivery. Yeah. Like
3: he's well, leaning and, and in. And script. Like this is. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. the kind of script that when you look at, I, I looked up the script. I was just reading it. Like I was trying to imagine these people doing a table read. And you and it, and no, it's like there's really not much here. There's a lot of. Of dialogue that you feel like, well, they I guess they've just made that up, right? Like, uh, right they,
1: no, yeah. i I this is i it's funny because i this is why it's fascinating to me because i do I do like this idea that he leans so hard into these Wes Anderson isms that are really based in not mediocrity, but based in p- deadpan approaches to things like when they're filming the crew and introducing them in, as part of the fake documentary these shots of, like, the guy who's going to throw the flare, the safety expert, is going to throw the flare into the water. <laughs> it's like he stands there. In fact, Dunaway, you made a gif of it. He stands there waiting for a yeah. cue to throw it, and they don't edit that. They just show the whole waiting for the cue and then throwing it. That rhythm, that style of approach is definitely so Wes Anderson. It's funny because we know that it's off, but we know it's intentionally off, and so it's right. this mix of, like, natural, uh, crappy um, I don't even know how to explain I think, it. So, I,
2: think you've, I think you guys both have said, I think Ibbett said, and I think you've said it, rhythm is where it's at in a Wes Anderson film. It's kind of like when you go to the store and you're in one speed, and you're like, okay, i got to get this, 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 and this, and then you get down an aisle where some butthole is going <laughs> two miles an hour, and at first you're like, mother of God, I'm going to kill you, and then you kind, of, you kind of settle into it, and you're kind of like, okay, this is now the speed at which I'm going to move. And, yeah, you, know, you
1: that's a good way to look at it. It's like you're yeah. so you accept it, and once you accept it, it's glorious and And I would never yeah. say he's mediocre, but I like this idea that he is aiming for those he's aiming to take mediocrity to a place we don't expect
3: which right. which like like when you get into Wes Anderson tropes and there's a bunch of them uh you you realize they're all like real basic white folks, middle class kind of things. <laughs> they're just put in exotic places like. Uh the the biggest Wes Anderson trope for my money is everybody comes from a broken home. All relationships are uh recent and you, you don't you don't know whether or not Owen Wilson is really his kid, long lost son, or not until it's revealed and it's revealed so plainly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's every movie. Every movie he's got these these weird relationships that you know like everybody's but, but they're presented so differently than
1: the rest of hollywood presents those those tropes like he does them in a way like when he comes up and says i think i'm your son and he says give me a minute goes out to the front of the thing <laughs> slow motion smoking crazy weird music that's like discordant and strange comes back and says oh thanks i just needed a minute and then gambone coming up there and going oh by the way this is a so-and-so who i think he might be my son Oh, that's lovely. I mean, it's like this this weird... <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah.
2: behaves this way in real life, and that's right. what I like about it. But, it twists but it. But don't they... Do, isn't there more genuine? I think people really do act like this in real life. I don't think we're used to seeing it on film. Well, I mean, that's what people I, do. You're like, where'd that person just go? Why'd they just walk away? Because conversations in movies are pretty disingenuous. Oh, no, I no, mean,
1: no. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. That's true. But, but the feeling of like... Um, I don't know. It's a combination of what you're saying and then taking it to this weird, elevated st- yes, state of yes. slow motion smoking on the point of your boat.
3: Uh, right. I, I think a great example of of my pursuit of the heights of mediocrity is in the scene where uh, Zisu realizes some dudes in the next room in some gentleman's club there in are making fun of him. He goes and listens for a minute to make them feel bad. And then he goes outside. They were making fun of the fact that he wears a funny little earring. So he takes it off <laughs> and casts it, it aside. Yeah. But only a few feet. Only yeah. five right? Yeah, And
1: then Will, Owen and Wilson there's... gets up, picks it up, and brings it back to his <laughs> open hand. <Like> he <laughs> yeah, knew so, he was going to uh, so do it. When
3: Owen Wilson comes out, right. you don't see the whole Owen Wilson. He starts to sit down. The re- earring gets cast aside. He stands back up. You're not seeing the whole Owen Wilson. Right. He goes and picks it up. He brings it back. He hands it to Steve Zissou, who just accepts it back. Yeah. Like you know, none yeah. of that is a regular movie. That you, not, not not none of the color, the framing, the movement of the camera, none of it is in a regular movie. And that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. Like that that seems like real life. Like yeah. that's exactly how you would have seen it if you had been sitting on the other curb watching. It's like a stylized
1: mm-hmm. version of real life in a lot of ways. But, yeah.
3: but taken to the nth degree. Yeah, that's
1: what I'm yeah, yeah. About. It's like um, I don't know. It's like an exaggeration of everything, but somehow it all speaks to, right. to being real. Now the part now to swing back around to the shark, I wanna make this one point, Dunaway. I think that what you wanted is a more conventional film approach to that shark. What you wanted was a more, you know, show us less, but show them being excited uh, that this thing happened and whatever. And don't don't be so overt about giving me a visual of the shark, which I would agree I with you in me. any other kind of movie. What I would say here is that go that would go against type for him. That's not what he's I think about. it would
2: go. What I session? think it go.
0: Especially if you had a really slick-looking, high-quality
2: CGI shark, again would have taken you yeah. right out of the film. Like a couple well, I, of those different options. Yeah, I don't want. That, that's what I was saying. I don't want to see the shark. I think that he has played throughout the whole movie. He has played with you, going, okay. So here is, you know, mediocrity. Here is that word again. It's like okay. So mm. Owen Wilson stands over the flag that he is that he's put together and the way they describe it and the way everybody emotionally reacts to it you envision in your mind that it is the most maybe the most greatest illustration you've ever seen in your life but <laughs> right. then after yep. owen dies and yeah. and we finally reveal what the you flag wrapped looks around like it's coffin yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. very it's very you, you know what? mediocre
0: i'm i think i'm uh, i like that you said mediocre like it's a <laughs> <yeah>. mediocre <laughs> mediocre but uh uh (laughs) but (laughs) but yeah you know what actually visualizing a way of showing or of doing the whole leopard shark scene where you see the reaction on their faces you see um the um uh the guy with the camera the guy with the video camera looking at it making sure to show that all right they're capturing it on film you see the reaction maybe even you see like the tail or that's it Mm -hmm.
1: you know right right yeah it would have been a better way I don't do know. It. or just, just I don't briefly, know. Briefly, I, I, briefly one time. I think it to needed by. to be. I think it needed to be illustrated in the way that that seahorse is illustrated, and by that I mean yeah. something gaudy and weird. Now they could have just not have but, the shark at all. Here's what they could have done: they could have had the front of that, uh, the entire front view of that submarine, and the side views of that submarine, just be a repeating leopard pattern, and just going, and no actual shark.
2: Right, reflective. Uh, look, I don't mind seeing the shark. I'm I'm arguing against the length and the amount of shark we got to see because the seahorse was literally maybe ten, not even ten seconds. Probably the leopard shark was on screen a lot. Yeah, almost maybe yeah. maybe two minutes.
1: Yeah, no. So, yeah, you're you not what, wrong. I, I mean, I what, I kind of think I, I I probably am meeting you halfway on this because I do think maybe the, it lingered a little long and they felt like they had to have this. Full blown shark, and there were a few shots of it. I think that were just overkill. um But I, I the the point is that it, I don't think he can do that scene and not show sh- show the shark. That's just not no, his he's thing. Gotta, he's got to show mm-hmm. the shark. Absolutely. Okay. okay,
3: yeah. okay I just want to say I didn't I didn't ever understand why in this movie some things were ridiculously animated and other things weren't. Mm. And the the colorful seahorse is a good example. That's a that's an actual creature. Like you can look up pictures. Of colorful seahorses, and you're like, "Wow, that's spectacular!" They should have just used a regular real one. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's what my, that's what <laughs> and, that's what
2: my fiance said yeah. when she was sitting watching
3: movie. Says, "Why didn't they just use real fish?" This right. And, well, and they <laughs> did. That's the thing, Brian Dunaway. They did. There's a long shot of Bill Murray sitting in front of a. He's in front of a green screen, but there's a window behind him with an orca playing and smiling through the that window. Was so good. Several I mean, minutes. The yeah, helper. Such a, scene, such a scene stealer. The helper dolphins are the most absurd <laughs> thing I've ever seen in a movie, and they were real. They got they got yeah. some dolphin trainer to strap some crap to the heads of his dolphins and swim them around and around over and over, and they got lots of footage of those helper dolphins. Why why are some things real and regular and other things animated? I don't know. Well, I cannot I explain by that. By the way, I'm not sure that is a
1: real seahorse. I'm looking this up. They called it in the show as crayon seahorse. If you do a search for that, I can't find anything that says that those are real. All I find is no, references no, I to this think that movie. Was, those, that was definitely... Well, funny. I mean, but
2: honestly, I mean, how but, hard but would it be to, Just search
3: colorful seahorse and Yeah, how see. hard would
2: it be to saturate film-wise a, a seahorse? How hard there's, would that be? I mean, no, 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 hard, Randy's right.
1: There's lots of multicolored ones. None of them look that stripey or that...
2: Because they were making up they're making up names and stuff anyway. Right, so, right, I mean, right. On, and
1: please. this seems nitpicky, but my, my point is that the I think that the idea for them to say, you guys, anytime we're going to show... An up close image of a fish or a creature or whatever. We're going. We're going to animate it, and it's just gonna. It's gonna rub some people wrong. And who cares? This is awesome. And I mm-hmm. so support that choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah I like, saying- I like uh, Jeff Goldblum's turtle at the end with the little uh, thing on his head. Yeah,
0: the, uh, <laughs> yes. there's my turtle. turtle. I that love that like, turtle. Of, it looks like one of my turtles. <laughs> <Dude>, Survived the <laughs> so, crack,
2: which I love because up until that point we hadn't seen really any of his love for anything oceanic because we'd all we'd just kind of seen him as nemesis yeah he was just hogging all the grant money
3: he's the playboy of the ocean (laughs) that's the greatest (laughs) character description ever playboy of of the ocean when you think about it they're they're kind of the
0: uh the sea versions of the woody harrelson and bill murray
1: characters
0: in uh, kingpin oh yeah 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 they're both regarded as the top of their field but they seem like they really hate the field that they're in the yeah. top yeah the yeah top of. and
1: they're also just there's not much to admire about either of them like, right not very redeeming yeah and that's funny that you say that because that's another you know that's bill murray in the other role yeah um, right but oh my gosh that's a great comparison yeah i loved that i loved everything about it i loved when uh, before their ship got uh taken by the pirates uh gold booms, and he's got mm-hmm. those giant ridiculous Binocular things in his observation (laughs) space. Like the little stuff like that, that, man. The fact that
0: everything is labeled uh, uh, Operation. What's yes what was it it was operation Hennessy or something wasn't it operation yeah. Hennessy operation yeah. Hennessy yeah and he's is all that my, is that my cappuccino is, that cappuccino is, that? Cappuccino. is the cappuccino oh yeah <laughs> right, yes. it was so good like those little yeah, details we and stole it <laughs> what, you know what here
1: okay here's, here's my comparison and, and maybe this will resonate with some people I think that Wes Anderson movies what I like about them are the same things I like about um miniature miniature uh super high detailed sort of dollhouse style stuff like when you, when you see, I don't know if you guys, are, um, how do I explain this? Like, imagine, uh, you know, uh, a small scene uh, where everything's a tiny table with a little plate and a little food mm-hmm. on it. It's all very detailed down to the, 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 the little bone in the center of the steak that's on the tiny plate. And everything's yeah. hand-painted and crafted. That's how his movies feel to me. So yeah. every detail jumps out. And every time I go, oh. Even the, the seahorse, I was like, it wasn't just that, oh, I like this contrast or I like this look. It was... I know what that takes to do. It's a huge pain in the ass and takes forever to do. So much care taken to make a seahorse in a bag moving around. Like, I love that.
0: You want, after seeing this movie, you want Lego to make a... A cut in half, a cutaway diorama <laughs> of the
1: um I'd buy that. Of the boat. It the makes ship. me want to, you know, pay Bill Duran to make like I want right. I want my I want, own <laughs> uh scale version of that thing with action figures in there. Oh i would yeah. love it. Yeah. I wanna
2: I wanna sue George or uh the, the uh the guitar player Pele. Sound I want Pele boom. on the yeah. Yeah, I, want, <laughs> I want Pele on the on the top uh, picking away at his uh, his acoustic guitar. Yeah. By the way, those, some of my favorite parts with those those little Those little cuts with him singing songs. Yeah, Yeah, I had to watch. I
0: actually watched the entire credits because of his, you know, because he was playing. So beautiful. And also because the credits mention, and shoot, I wish I would have written it down. The credits mention the film would like to acknowledge acknowledge that there is a real Steve Zizou as a practicing um, defense lawyer in New York or something. Really? No way. I I missed that. (laughs) Which makes me wonder if. If that was like a little, another little Wes Andersonism, like if there really right. isn't a Steve Zizu, but it's kind of like, all right, let me sneak one last joke in here. Yeah. Or right. if there's a guy named Steve Zizu who threatened to sue
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wes Anderson <laughs> if he didn't put that in the credits, that he's in no relation to the actual Steve Zizu. Again, it's a, like, uh, who else makes credits where I, I care that much to see that kind of quirk? Like, right. It, that it's just, it's part of this weird ass package. Oh, there's some great pictures, by the way, of Bill Murray. People have taken, taken it to the next degree and, like, painted him in his full, mm. like, regalia with the hat and everything, looking like some... Oh, my gosh. Uh, wow. I'm surprised go. how much stuff there is. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the
0: actual credit, by the way. Okay. Uh, the filmmakers acknowledge that the real Steve Zizu is a prominent attorney in New York City specializing yeah. in complex federal litigation. And there actually is a, a yeah, Wikipedia he's... page for Steve Zizou, the jurist, which, you know, the American <laughs> attorney...
2: <Yeah. laughs> And, and he's got Steve Zissou and Associates. It's in. It's there's a real address, a real phone number. <laughs> you know, you Wild stuff. Check out love the uh, the link I just put in the, the Discord. Oh right. Yes.
3: Oh, that is so,
2: great. So yeah. the,
3: the the image of Bill Murray in his blue tracksuit with his red uh, beanie cap um, that that has become more than the movie in terms of iconography. Like mm-hmm. in my in my yeah. opinion, like. I feel like I've seen it so much mm-hmm. in the last fifteen years. It's just un- unbelievable.
1: Same, and I'm thinking. annoyed that I never n- knew. Like now, I feel like I, I feel like I'm so late to the party uh, because I didn't see the movie in the first place, and I feel like I've missed twelve years of awesome mm-hmm. memery. You know, yeah. like I could have had, you, a- which
3: is weird. Like when you when you think about great films, right? So like, there's five kinds. of like five properties that go into films, there's five tent poles of filmmaking. There's, mm-hmm. there's acting, there's uh sound, there's special effects. There's um, uh, uh wardrobe and set design. And what's the other one? Uh, cinematography. So you, you like Wes Anderson somehow maximizes all of those. He, he, you know, like there's not a part of all of this where you're like, yeah, but the sound design was crap or whatever. <laughs> but, like they're all, they're all at the top of the game. Yeah. but you come away so remembering so in in touch with what Bill Murray looked like you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like it almost like like if you if you take all of those parts of making a film up to 10 i can't take it all in i can't retain it
1: yeah if you if you guys ever were like hey i wonder what dad's or what scott's dad looked like my dad died in 2000 <laughs> but if you ever want to know what my dad looked almost exactly like like it's it would freak you out to see him next to each other That's a a photo, a current photo, or even of this era, of Bill Murray and my dad. It's indistinguishable. So that's the other weird thing for for this particular movie or any time he shows up in movies now is I'm immediately like, oh my gosh, it's freaking dad there with his white beard and his nose and everything. It looks just like my dad.
2: And he always has kind of. It's really weird. Right. I also love the fact that I think that, once again, I think... uh Ibbitt is so in touch with this movie now he said wow like the most times i've ever heard him say wow, wow. which is funny this, because you know I,
0: I even made a point in my opening to like <laughs> i'm not going to say that three-letter word that everybody's expecting you to say
3: Does, uh, Did Owen wilson have uh prosthetic ears oh i don't know <laughs> or are his ears just that that ridiculous i
1: have stuff? no idea he usually has all that hair down in front of them so i don't know Okay maybe. I don't know he's just this really was this long. was the it first Wes An- this is the first Wes Anderson movie where he wasn't the writing partner um and it was because his his acting career was taken off big time right around now hmm. and um he so it's interesting that he's in the movie, but he didn't help write it. It was the first collaboration with some, some new guy I forgot his name who now still does stuff with him but um but yeah't it's kind of weird 'cause his his whole thing in the early days where oh I work with Wes Anderson, we write movies, Wes directs them. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now it's like no Owen's like a bona fide, you know, Hollywood yeah. guy who says wow a lot. Yep. Um, my he has, to, he uh, has to
0: be there for Jackie Chan, you know, when they're uh, last <laughs> and stuff. For, now for all
1: those <laughs> we probably all have a favorite scene. We probably all have a couple of favorite scenes, but I would like to propose. Oh, I want to talk about. Oh, those. thank you. My, I accept my f- my favorite <laughs> my favorite scene, or at, at least one of them, right up there at the top is the entirety of uh, him and Kate Blanchette in a balloon. Um, oh, that was, that
2: was really, that was really
1: good. Loved yeah. it. I loved it. It was, it was beautiful and the colors are insane and there's this music playing on that weird radio that's attached to the back of the chair and, and the music is weird and, and she's, there's a point where he leans in like he thinks it's the perfect time for a kiss and she backs off like it's the worst moment ever. And then they resume the conversation as if nothing happened. And there's just something about that entire exchange that I would like to just freeze frame and keep yeah, forever. It,
2: it's, it's one of those moments in, in, movie, uh, in movie watching where you go, wow, I would really love to just be in that moment. I would love to be in that scene right now. I would love to be in that environment. Mm-hmm. Imagine yeah. being strapped in and floating in a hot air balloon above a ship. That would just be like the most amazing thing. Yeah. Uh, so, S- Scott, before we get to everybody else's favorite, how about the thing that grossed you out the most? I have a guess. Did you have? Oh, one? um, you know what? I didn't write one down, but let's see where you're at with it. What you, Would you pick? Uh, there's a scene where Kate Blanchett throws her gum into Owen oh. Wilson's Owen uh, Wilson's glass. Oh, I'm, yeah, that didn't bother me. That's fine. Yeah, probably because um, she's super just, good looking. Just that, just that backwash and her spit all <laughs> I, you know what culminating That's funny. in that water.
0: Yeah. That, if I would have, uh, if I would remember that, that would have been my thing. I actually didn't think there was anything in this film that was Scott out was there something? not really
1: i mean there were a couple of shots when they were wearing the suits that they attacked the island in where you, uh, uh, anyone who had a wiener it was too much too wiener. much too yeah a lot of wiener uh <laughs> silhouettes and wiener imprints and stuff like that outside of that though I, there's nothing it, it, and it's the other thing is i it, it never it, it most of the time with these movies i'm looking for these things and going oh there's the thing they'll all think gross me out and i'll write it down and I don't right. really hear the dialogue that's happening immediately after it and I'm not really paying attention but I was so riveted that I never I never even wrote it down. Right. So if it my happened, favorite. I want that old hotel, I'll tell you that.
2: I want to oh, go. That was yeah. fantastic. I freaking visually love that. visually my favorite scene in the movie has to be I don't know if it's because all my emotions were flowing at that time but when Angelica Houston is laying down in the front of the uh, in front of the ship down at the bottom and she just watches the flag is it is it floats oh, down. Yeah, watches uh, uh,
0: Owen Wilson's coffin. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that which is, hits me. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, it, it hits you, but uh, th- this is the problem with Wes Anderson movies. So you've spent the whole movie ha- with these absurd things to make fun of. And then you finally get to the emotional climax, which is Steve Zissou, who has been on the brink of ruin for who knows how long and has lost everything is fi- is getting his victory. This, crowd of people are watching this part two film and they get to the end and they give him a standing ovation and he's sitting outside he's not even present for it it's an empty chair and he's sitting outside and you're supposed to really feel something guys and the movie has had so many jokes that you just can't you cannot climb them that that climax you know you know what i'm saying like instead it's just like oh okay yeah wow that's that's weird Sad.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Like, Owen Wilson dying is both ridiculous and sad. Like, the, he somehow figures that stuff out in a way that works for me. I understand the, what you're talking about and I think it's intentionally discordant and hard to know where your emotions are supposed to be. This isn't traditional, like, movies that are trying to drag it out of you. But they right. still present things where you're like, oh. Like, the, the 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 thing with her, Angelica Houston in the little pod looking out and seeing the coffin. That was, for me, this moment of, she's never really approved of this. She didn't like the kid in the first place. She kind of left Steve because he had brought him in and on and all of this stuff. And it was the last straw for their relationship. And she's going to go back to Jeff Goldblum. And at the end of it, though, she's, she can't even be out there for this. The ceremony's, you know, tough or whatever. And now she's seeing it go down. And she's, she's seeing it in a way that's like almost like this. De- the detachment wasn't as detached as we thought. And it's, right, right. but but again, it's like all these interpretations to, mm-hmm. and what it may end up being is nothing. It could be nothing, but that's what his movies do for me is they, they, they get me in ways I don't expect and shouldn't, I shouldn't have any feelings about that. It's the goofiest just, thing ever. Why are you even burying him at sea? Like this poor Kentucky, you know, what, the, like the whole idea is so <laughs> dumb yet, yet I'm going, oh, all right. Well, it's kind of poetic and Steve's never seems very broke up about it. He's no, right, di- and right. he's, he's still putting Klaus in charge of reading comments at the end. Well, but yeah, <laughs> I but I, d- I like it.
3: the, the following that, that scene I was just describing, he puts some random kid on his shoulders and walks down the street mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. looks so stoic the entire time. This is not a victory March. This is not a funeral March. This is just stoic Steve Zissou. And I should have been thinking in that moment, Oh Wow. He lost his best friend at the beginning. He lost his new best friend. He lost people in the middle. You know, like, he's sad. I should be feeling all of these feelings. But instead, because Steve Zissou is just stoic the whole damn movie, I don't see this as some sort of culmination of all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And and that's like, um... I realize that's kind of Wes Anderson's point. Mm, But I, I just feel like, damn it, I this could have been a great film where I came away feeling something, you know, uh, enhanced mm-hmm. instead of, instead of you taking my feelings away. Right. I'm glad
2: he didn't because it, it was, it was the truest expression of a character that, uh, saw lived his life like an adventurer and mm-hmm. saw his life, even in his relationships of losing people as part of that adventure. So I kind of, I liked I, I liked where his character ended up. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean he he's the whole film he's disconnected and broken and right. the fact that every other film you'd expect that he'd get some sort of redemption at the end and not be so disjointed and broken or dis- So what
3: what was your favorite bit? Bit?
0: My favorite bit was the uh, the swamp leeches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so good. Nobody else I'm so
1: glad that nobody else picked that so I can say, oh, yeah, uh, it's bleaches. really funny. It. It's really funny. I love it because it seemed like protocol. Like, he's like, right. all right, that's it. Everybody right. stop right now. Well, we got to deal with the leeches contingency, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just me? He's the just only, one, that's the only one covered with them. <laughs> it was really funny. And yeah, such a great. throwaway thing. Like, you didn't even need to make that. But it added, right. it added to it in a way that really... Yeah,
2: that's a good one. Good pick. Good call. But I'm I'm curious. That was Wes Anderson, or if that was Bill Murray? Maybe they shot him first. Well,
0: I think his I think his uh, (laughs) like the way he delivers the line. It feels like there is a little bit of improv
2: in there. Like, everybody
0: check yourselves uh, for leeches. Wait, okay, I'm the only one. What's up with that? Right. (laughs) I feel like like
2: they they might have. I feel like he might have improv that and they adjusted to it because. Yeah. That is very Bill Murray yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. and it, it was a
1: great i don't know it's just a great little funny moment that i thought was going to be a big deal like they could have done the dumb thing which is do it like you know stand by me or something oh everyone's got leeches oh shit right. we'll spend five minutes doing a little slapstick about leech removal nope just steve he's got a couple of yeah. them no big deal just pull them off there's one on your head you know <laughs> <laughs> something great about that I yeah. put your finger on it well that's awesome and I don't really. Uh, here's the thing, I don't know how they got her. She was just coming off of doing um, uh, the Elf Queen in the Lord oh, of the Blanchett. Rings movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's,
0: just... it's honestly because uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was not available. He actually had <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow really seriously, and yeah, in in mind for that role, which is no surprise being Wes Anderson. Yeah,
1: um, I'm and, thrilled that they picked her because she's. I yeah, loved her. Well, I loved her plucky accent. She decided to to push. I liked. I mean, she's yes. from England, but. She definitely, you know, went a little further with that accent. For sure. Um, but she was perfect. And I love her and think about her all the time.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's so great. All of a sudden, got uncomfortable. She's so great. Right. I can't. She's the reason I care about that new Oceans reboot, the Oceans 8 thing. I want to see mm-hmm. her in that. I think she's going to be fantastic. And I don't yeah. think she ages. And I don't think it's fair. You know? Yeah. <laughs> she's my age. She's my age. I look like an old mole on someone's ass. She looks like. 20 years ago. I don't know how she does it. And she doesn't <laughs> look like she's all plugged up with work. You know, I've, I've seen no, her recent no, pictures. There's up. no, there's no weird pullback or anything strange going on. She just, I don't know. She's born that way. And she was pregnant. Oh, this is a great piece of trivia before we move on. Oh, yeah. um, while being fitted for her pregnancy prosthetic, which involved being wrapped in a full body cast, Kate Blanchett fainted. The actress was rather surprised as uh, by this, cause she had never fainted before in her life, but learned two days, two, three days later, that she was actually pregnant.
2: Oh, no. So the pregnant suit made her pregnant? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's how it works. Oh. That's how that stuff works.
2: <laughs> well, it's right there in the name. It'll get you pregnant. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's just
2: really, I think, pretty interesting and funny. That is kind of neat. Anyway. Uh, I, I did yeah. like the fact that she was pregnant because it took some of the sexual tension away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It kind of, yeah. I, I, it defanged it a little bit it also like made, really? it well i think
1: what it did is it put it made her um how do you put this like one, in in one way vulnerable in another way more powerful uh right. it, it mm-hmm. made her seem very independent and strong and on the other hand kind of you know close to tears like there's just like a there's something about i always felt this way when my wife was pregnant for three times there's something about her when she was pregnant that just made her oh, tough ex- as hell but also super vulnerable and it's a hard thing to define and i think i think that brought that to this so there was always this thing in the back of your mind it's like if this isn't just about a pretty lady trying to talk to a, a washed up burned out old fart this is about a pregnant woman Bart. who if something <laughs> about the pregnancy added to that in a way that's hard to put in words i don't know i, how to I
3: it. hear you but you have to see this movie in this movie there's really only two women and they're either everybody's love interest or a baby maker. Like there's Three. not there. <laughs> what about the script? What about the script lady, the topless script lady? That's what yeah. I'm getting at. Like the, the this movie, this movie really doesn't care about women. <laughs> like they're, they're just, you know, they're, they're incubating a gotta, baby or they're, they're, I, I disagree. I think that she,
2: I think that they, their roles are maybe not as, dimensional as some of the guys. I don't know. I, I'm gonna. I disagree. I think they're really good. I, I disagree. Think I think they just. Really I well think written. they had
1: as much dimension as anybody else in the movie. Yeah. I don't uh, There may does have been
0: the, less of the them. Pass, does the movie pass the Bechtel test? No. Not passed? even close. No. Oh, really? Close.
3: Not even huh. close. What's oh, the Bechtel? The only. Test? The only discussion between two people is Angelica Houston and Kate Blanchett, and they're talking about Steve Zissou. Like that. That's. Mm-hmm. It's not even close. But but again, this is you know like Wes Anderson's. Uh, by Wes Anderson's choosing. Watch his movies. It's it's about you know men experiencing goofy things, and he just doesn't you know he doesn't write for women. So hmm. what are you gonna you do?
2: No, I I'm not gonna uh, you know look. It's just like we've talked about this before. I mean, hmm. how can you how can you creatively express a woman's emotions in your writing unless you are a woman? I'm not saying that you should neuter your projects because of it. I'm just saying. At, at this neutral state, Wes Anderson is going to understand the things that he has experienced and he's going to be able to write sure. to those strengths. So does that mean to exclude other people out of your movies? Absolutely not. But to a certain point, you got to go, hey, maybe we should have co-writers in some of
3: these.
1: Uh, movies. Yeah. Well, he's, he's got a co-writer here, but again, not a woman. And like in the case of like, uh, you know, if you look at a Nora Ephron movie or any of the movies she made, those definitely had a unique voice and we're, unique partly because she had a woman's perspective and so that stuff really came out in the film and right. and added a whole lot to that sort of thing and once in a while you'll have somebody who can kind of cross over like uh, uh who did uh, point break forgot her name
2: Um uh, yeah yeah see um, those those kind of movies that catherine i appreciate Bigelow. because yeah, yeah catherine Bigelow. they it's, it's fun to see an artist of, of, a, of a different gender or a different race for me to see that how it's expressed and how they see things and how their vision is, but of course, Hollywood is full of white dudes, so we've already seen it a million times, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, of course, we want to see something else. Yeah. But
0: uh, has has a woman ever been accused of that? Woman just does not know how to write male characters. Oh, like
3: I'm. No, we, yeah, because there aren't there aren't Tick-licks. enough examples to you know to to count. <laughs> like I, I'm just saying that this film could have had a woman character. In the Ned Plimpton spot, it could have had a woman character in the Klaus Daimler mm-hmm. spot. It it sure. didn't because Wes Anderson. It never. I'm sure it never crossed Wes Anderson's mind that you know that his his movie was very male oriented. Look, this was 2004. That's, this is the
2: the idea that the things that we're going through right now. I mean, really, I mean, it's been moving fast. I mean, it's been around. The ideas have been around a long time, but the momentum has really just picked up
1: hugely. Yeah, it's hard not to see this stuff years. through those
2: lenses. It's
1: hard not yeah. to. But but in this particular case, I, I don't think there's anything like uh, I don't see any of this as, as a nefarious attempt by oh, right. no. anybody. I'm not,
3: I'm not calling the film misogynist. It's just another <laughs> it's just another example of uh lots of dudes and, you know, the women are afterthoughts. And that I mean it was it was perfectly entertaining. Kate Blanchett did a great job. I'm I'm just saying She's not, you know, uh, she's not playing one of the important roles. Yeah.
2: Oh, well, I, you know, the, I feel like I see what you, I, I understand what you're saying. I feel like I think I'm, I'm probably confusing important roles versus important to uh, maybe important to the story versus important to the characters, because to me, the two women characters in this movie are stronger than all the men. Uh, and actually, end up saving most of them, or at least attempting to save them. And so there's a very redemptive quality sure. uh, about the women, and they seem to be portrayed in a more positive light, whereas the men seem a lot more flawed. Yeah, they're a little more broken. I, I, I mean, they, I don't want much- this. I don't want this movie
1: without Kate Blanchett in it. I think she added to it in a way right. that was remarkable. But I don't. But I don't. I think Randy's right in the sense that this is, you know, this isn't a movie about women by any stretch. Oh no, no, it's no. a movie about a bunch of dudes. I wouldn't it's say they're underwritten. It's about or afterthoughts. Steve Zissou
2: and his son, right? In the, in yeah, the now
1: industry. now you want to really mix things up. What if Steve Zisu was approached by somebody claiming to be his daughter, and what would that do? Well, actually, I think it would work in a Wes Anderson movie. Like that would be right. the right amount of like playing against type that would that would resonate. That could have been you interesting. Know, I was
2: curious. I was curious if Kate Blanchett was not going to come out at some point in time because I had actually thought about that. I was like, well, maybe, you know, she's got some kind of beef with him, uh, and she would have been about the same age as Owen. And I was, and when they started getting busy, I was like, well, maybe they're going to blow this wide open. No, we'll hell no,
1: they better not. Looks like hey, to
2: Jon Snow this thing Luke and
1: Leia situation <laughs> out here. I, uh, I and also uh, the other thing I should full disclosure here: Clay, Kate Blanchett reminds me personality wise of my sister, and she's oh, into me. And, no, I'm, I don't mean in a some creepy way. What I mean is she's got that kind of t- she's got a tough lady thing about her, and so every time I see a Kate Blanchett movie, I think about Wendy and the way she is personality wise and so i think i give her maybe even more she's i mean she's universally considered a great actress but i look at her as
2: maybe more than that i love i love the fact and i tried to i tried to start thinking about this while i was watching i was like when uh, when else have i seen an adventure movie where there is a pregnant woman involved who is also part of the adventure now there's not a lot of hands on adventure but everybody's involved with this adventure and i was i was trying to remember when that role was played uh to that point can you guys think of a pregnant woman who has been involved in adventure do we kind of isolate those and go no no
1: i don't know I, kind of, yeah it's a good question i can't think of one
2: i mean this is hard to call an
1: adventure just because it's so weird but but i know what you it, mean yeah i know right. what you mean but they're on an adventure right sure yeah they're absolutely on one whether they right. know it or not i mean there are times where i think steve Zissou didn't even know you know I don't, there's times where i wonder what he's doing <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> like he's just kind of walking around you know like there's really not yeah. he, that's the that's the point even how he did, doesn't know he yeah. he doesn't know what what's going on he's like how did i how did i go from being so popular and being uh you know the real deal to to being a fraud will i ever be great again yeah it's the question that most or was he ever great I, like he may not I, ever, I, was I, great.
3: i will give you that man if you if we're talking about films where the character is pregnant. A character is pregnant in the movie. It's baby mama and it's knocked up and it's uh, nine months. Well, like they're always about the pregnancy. The right.
0: funniest, right. right? And the funniest two points of pregnancy are when the woman is uh, huge because she's about to give birth, and right. when she finds out she's pregnant. And we get Kate Blanchett in this middle area where. Yeah, I'm pregnant. I'm kind of showing a little bit, but I'm not at, at
2: not at either of the extreme comedic right. points of pregnancy. <laughs> she's nurturing, but it's also not all-consuming. Right. It's an interesting that's, state, and I would I would love to see that.
0: that. Yeah, and that's why I'm wondering, Dunaway. That I feel like there's got to be an adventure thing where, during the course of the adventure, the heroine finds out that she's pregnant. But I'm oh, trying right, to I right. can't. I can't
3: figure out that, 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 is. that rings really familiar where, to me as well, that I yeah, can't think of what it I, is. I wouldn't call Juno an adventure movie by any stretch. I guess raising Arizona has some a little action bit. elements, right. but that's the, you know, the, the pregnancy is, is it's the opposite of pregnancy. Well, right. <laughs> right. Well, in, in
0: both cases, the pregnancy is, is crucial to the story. And in Kate Blanchett's case, right. right? It's the clinic case. It's, it's such a side issue,
1: mm-hmm. you know? Right. right. I can't. How many kids does she have? Does Anyone know? Caitlyn for real life, I, yeah. Because they got to be. If she had a kid right around then, that kid's what twelve now, right? It's crazy. Scott
3: 14. wants to know all about Kate Blanchard. Yeah, I don't want to so get, get as creepy.
2: Let's get as creepy and as all known <laughs> as we can. Well, as long as you're talking about creepy, I've always, I've always had an attraction to pregnant women because I feel like <laughs> this I, I, is I interesting. don't know it. it It's not like in a gross way. It's more like, Mm. oh, here's a pregnant lady. And she seems to be... It seems like everything is amped up. It's like, oh, their energy level seems higher. Yeah. That's what I was saying about
1: Kim. It was always really impressive. There's just like some sturdy... It sounds awful sturdy. But there's like this... (laughs) this this uh everyone says you glow but there is something to that yeah. there's like a i got i got someone else in here too and i'm feeding i'm eating for High two brain. and yeah. my feet are killing has, me but sh- oh well i got stuff to do and i don't know she has four children um mm-hmm. she's australian not british i thought she was british she was
0: born about a month before uh before us
1: yeah that's that sounds right on the age thing but i thought Maybe. she was uh british i don't know why i thought that Okay, once again, the Australians, what the hell are they doing? Why right, exactly.
4: Yes. How are they she
2: able to produce? All, she
3: children? had all four of her children in her 30s. Starting she at had them all at the same time. Oh. <laughs> uh, they all have great uh, no, names. Sorry,
0: sorry. Ignatius Martin Upton, Roman Robert Upton, Dashiell John Upton, and Edith Vivian Patricia Upton. I That's mean, it nice. sounds like she actually had Wes Anderson over to name her <laughs>
3: children. I, I, I just want to correct that. She... She had three children all in her 30s. The fourth is adopted. Mm. Uh, oh, okay. That's Edith. Edith, Vivian, Patricia. <laughs> and I hope she already knew that. Thanks for reveals.
1: I think she's like, she, to, to me, she is the. Oh, adopted? She is the today's version of that 40s era, 40s, 50s era um, mega Hollywood star actor kind of vibe. Like, just ridiculously demure and well you know, well-spoken and like just this, this whole like confidence radiation thing that feels like something that's like a foregone long ago, Hollywood thing. Now for all I know in her personal life, she kills puppies and eats monkeys. I don't know, but in real life or in, 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 in her movie portrayals and in her sort of, you know, what she is outside of whatever her personal life is, I, I just think she's the
0: best. She's I think I feel like that's her. I think I feel like she's genuine. She's been married to the same person for twenty years, which in Hollywood is uh, pretty rare, uh, unheard of. Andrew and, Upton, yeah, yeah, and he's a screenwriter. He's, uh, he's really his director. credits are
3: really pathetic. Like the only credit, <laughs> <you> know, the <laughs> only credit, meaningful credit he's got is that he was an assistant editor on Babe. That's well, it, dude. No, he, if I, if I, he produced Carol,
0: the movie that she, you know, was nominated for an Academy Award for okay, a couple of years ago. Okay. Okay,
3: after he was married to her for 18 years. Let he me tell you some of her movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great. What let a me, credit.
2: Let me tell you something If I was if I was married to Kate Blanchett, I wouldn't do this podcast. I wouldn't do anything. I <laughs> would have to work too hard, right? No, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't do manage. squat
3: you would manage your wife's money
2: yeah i would do whatever she said yes ma'am we'll her, her,
3: her right. thor
1: ragnarok role is one of the coolest damn things in the history of ever oh uh, yeah she's just awesome sure. and she's gonna just keep going and that's great she should never stop that's the point mm-hmm. let's play clips you guys want to hear some yes clips? Yeah. oh my gosh clips all right i got some right here let's start with this one. Oh wait i'm still on this page that has this stuff hold on where is it oh it's not working now Oh. Yeah, here we go. Anyway, <laughs> that's not what we want. Here's what we want. We want Dumbledore coming in.
2: Harry and I were just discussing our financial predicament. I
0: thought it would be nice if three of us rode out to the party together. Just three of us.
1: What I like about that is he <laughs> said Harry three and I us. were just talking, and I think that's funny. Yeah,
3: he was actually discussing the financial predicament with Harry Potter. Harry Potter himself. <laughs> that's right. You know, the one who lived. <laughs> mm-hmm. The boy
1: who lived. The boy who lived. Uh, here's the, uh, uh, something about a shark. Well, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go on an overnight drunk, and in ten days, I'm going to set out to find the shark that ate my friend and destroy it. Anyone that would care to join me is more than welcome. All right. I don't know why that that feels like it's in backwards order. Isn't that later? No, I guess not. Mm-hmm. That hap- no. He said it earlier, but then later said, hey, you want to, want to go on a ride? And then they all got in there. That's yeah, yeah
3: the first to. time is when he's announcing his intentions on this, on, stage. on stage. Right, yeah.
1: right, right. Uh, it's, it's a great line. I would love this. It's when he's introducing Dumbledore to his potentially his son. Oh, sorry, this is uh, probably my son, Ned. We just met oh, How delightful.
3: This is probably my son. <laughs> and, and again, every, <laughs> oh, apparently, know, apparently we can misinterpret every clip that you're going to play. In that scene, he was talking to his iPhone. <laughs> what?
1: Wait, what? where? Oh, you could say that, yes. Yeah, you could, but it'd be wrong. But yes, you could say that. Uh, here's the elf queen. Oh, wait, no. Change your name is what I wrote here. Here you go. You think you'll want to change your name? Ned? No, not
0: the Ned part, unless you want to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's just so subtle and great. Oh, my gosh. I freaking love it. Ah, I love it. All right, Uh, here's uh, the elf queen speaking. When did you learn Zisu with your father? Does it freak you out for me to ask that? No, it doesn't. Oh, my gosh, dude. She's so awesome. (laughs) Uh, Nice exchange is the title of this 16-second clip. So what happened, in your opinion? What are you talking about? Well, don't you think the public
2: perception of your work has significantly altered in the last five years?
0: That's your first question? I thought this was supposed to be a
1: puff piece.
2: Should we come back to it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That whole exchange is great. Watching the orca... Back and forth,
1: I know. Visually, yeah.
3: it's just he's just hanging back there. Hey, what are you guys so doing
1: there? It's so good. Smiling.
3: This is a yeah. smiling yeah. whale. Yeah.
1: <laughs> also, they did a tropey thing that turned out not to be the trope, but they have the thing where you're like, okay, what are these dolphins ever going to be for? And it turns out, oh, they're to look into the window while well, Kate Blanchett and Owen perv. Wilson are. Yeah. And then he <laughs> yeah. sees it, stops, comes back and looks, and now they're looking at each other again, and then the whole thing's just thrown away. I love that. Yeah. I, it was a. I mean, you didn't even need to make that scene. It would have been a complete waste of time to any other director, and he's like, no, there's something here, and he did it. And it was great. Here's something I wrote called Slightly Fake.
2: I thought aspects of it seemed slightly fake.
1: No, oh, that's just her talking more. I may have focused a lot on her lines. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can't help it. Wow. Here's somebody. My,
0: somebody's writing up a restraining order as uh, we speak, yeah, as yeah. we record well, this. Well, at
1: the very least, there's about 20 emails coming my way that are all going to be me up for this. But All going to be
3: from Andrew Upton. Yeah. Here's a... Here.
1: Get out of my territory. This is my favorite thing she may have said on her own here. Here you go. No one else gives a shit. I love that. No one else <laughs> gives a shit. Uh, j- uh, what? Oh, this is great. This is a great scene. Here you go.
3: Can you hear the jack whales singing? Beautiful.
1: <laughs> I wonder what they're saying.
3: Well, that was the <laughs> sludge tanker over there, but
1: there you go. There, there you go. <laughs> Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Love it, I love it. Um, here's... I don't know what this is. Oh, same thing. as it's, it's just a sledgehammer. Yeah. <laughs> Cracked me up. Here's a great exchange. I'm going to have to start locking my effing door. It was locked. I kicked it in. Why don't you just curse like other people?
2: Because I'm trying to get out of the habit before I have my f-ing baby.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna use that a lot okay (laughs) um all right jeff goldblum steps in i'm
3: so pissed i want to
1: spit all right there's that okay i'm so he just has such a uh, his cadence
3: can't say all the words get him out man you know
1: what i have similar feelings for him (laughs) that i do cape land shed i'm gonna be honest so, so this is the thing don't this isn't all about me being creepy about a lady I also have the same sort of feelings about anything
0: creepy yeah you can be just as creepy about
2: anybody
1: oh yeah and I love him <laughs> oh yeah he should be in everything I, I freaking love him
2: it yeah. was odd some of the things that they allowed Bill Murray to use that the, some of the the terms they use for uh, uh people with sexual preferences that were that were used in 2004 i was kind of surprised
3: oh well the film the film itself is set in some indeterminate (laughs) time back a ways like back 15 to 30 years before 2004
1: yeah sort of except when he's in the there's that the kids they're, they're the interns they look like they're right out of 1999 or 2004 like they're just they look normal Like it, it played with us that way, you know. There's
3: been a lot of effort put in to make sure you never see any widescreen TVs or just anything that would give you a marker, like newer than like 85, and it could it could go all the way back to like 65. It feels, it feels very specifically placed.
1: I I agree, Uh, Dunaway. Uh, it's your job to do this, so I want to app- applaud it, but I love how you're always, you, you you believe that 2004 was like 100 years ago when you talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys, this was 2004. Nobody had cars back then. Remember two, 20, uh, 20-odd-4? <laughs> what an old time it was. It wasn't that Man, long ago. I'll tell ago. you. Hey, it
2: is it is uh, what fourteen years now? What yeah, is it? That's 2000? nothing. Yeah. That's nothing. That's hardly it any time. It is when you talk about how fast uh, our society has been changing here in the U.S. It, well, it is. lately, but
1: but but if you look at, I think it's I I want this is something uh, separate from the movie, but I think it's important to note this stuff really doesn't change that much, especially in modern society. Like the difference between 2004 and now is nothing compared to the same 14, 15 year difference. Back from like the 60s to the 70s, or the 70s to the 80s, uh, and beyond, we're we're crescendoing a little bit. Like it slows down, and it's kind of—I don't mean time slows down, but I mean we're. I disagree. We're not, I think it's year, not that big of an advancement.
2: A, Ten years is a decade, and it can change everything. It and can. It, has. it can, but hasn't really since so far. That's the reason why we go. That's the reason why we can look at the 50s and go, "There's the 50s," and you look at the 60s and goes there's the 60s you go to 70s there's the 70s They don't look anything them? alike yeah right. but
1: tell me how you're making a differentiation between uh now and the 2004s oh like, well,
2: lots of it was just in relation to uh you know casting what roles we have uh for characters whether you know a woman's role would have been larger or more balanced i mean I don't know, only dude. Last, I don't think 04 is all, it's all only that different. The, it's only in the last, what, four or five years that every time you turn on a, a talk show, like on a sports show or something, where it is, it's a diverse group of people. It used to just be all white dudes. Well, that I was five years get, ago when I said used to be. I
0: think you need to get further away from a decade to really recognize what made it unique from the other decades yeah, around. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think maybe we're still too close to 2004. That's all I'm to, saying. To recognize what made two thousand the two thousands different. Just from where to we're at to now.
1: me, the two thousands and the twenty tens and on, they they don't feel any different to me. It's just a different mm-hmm. console cycle, really.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, like 20, t- 2004, we were about to get Batman Begins. Uh, we had, you know, two Star Wars prequels under our belt. We we're almost to get the third the next year. You got, I don't know, it, it, the t- two thousand four is the year of the Incredibles. Uh, we're about to get a sequel to that. Finally, it's like I don't know. It, it, to me, it, it's indistinguishable now. If you said '94, I would, uh, I, I would completely mm-hmm. agree. But you know, know, cell phones are ubiquitous in '04. Like I just don't think it's, it's like this far gone. So long in, ago. In, in, in uh, Hollywood
2: terms, it is. But I don't I mean, think so it is. So much Hollywood has changed a lot. How?
1: How? In the last year, yes, because of all this yeah. stuff. And it may feel like right. more. But but in what other ways has it changed in your mind? in the last year (laughs) yeah (laughs) well all right but that's not 14 i mean you could have said that with any you could say man things are really different than 2013 you know what i mean right so so i i get i get what you're saying on that regard and i totally agree with you like this is a sudden swift change but i don't think that if you take the last year out
2: of account and just look at the last 13 years
1: i don't think there's much yeah if
2: you said if you said difference between 2014 and 2004 you're right i mean would not be much yeah, yeah yeah if that's your
1: point then i agree Yeah, the that things are right. rapidly changing but i just think it's funny because you'll always go well guys remember this is 2002 or whatever and i'm like wait a minute right. it's not that different this is 2002 it's like uh, movies they're making movies and uh, you know this, what uh, would you playing? What was you playing in 2002? Uh, video game wise, video I was playing PlayStation 2 era stuff, so GameCube, PS2. Damn, look at that change! Yeah, it's not that big a change.
3: I was—I—I don't know. I—I was i i do not know I, I was just uh, <laughs> just yesterday, I was messing around with Call of Duty uh, World War II. Yeah. And right. uh, in 2002, I was playing some Ghost Recon game, and they're really not that different.
1: Yeah. Well, in 2002, mm-hmm. you're only a year and a half away from Modern Warfare. Call of Duty 4 anyway, so actually I was playing Call of Duty, Call, I was playing Call of Duty in 2002, we're still playing it today, like I don't think mm-hmm. there's, that's my my point, I think it's easy to 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 like your life was totally different then, so was mine, like I was the I started to look at things from like a career perspective all this podcast stuff was 0405, mm-hmm. so if you look at it
2: in that way like we this must be even, like, we weren't even well, podcasting we weren't even podcasting in 2004. Sure we were. I was. Well, okay, but we weren't podcasting like we know it today. Well, yeah, no, of I course
1: mean. not, because it's evolved and changed, and that's my point. Right. <clears throat> Looking at it from that perspective, you're like, oh, all kinds of change. There was no Facebook then. There was no, you know, there, there all sorts of things like that changed. But, like, generally, film-wise, to me, it's indistinguishable.
3: Like, mm. I can't tell the difference between then and now. Because he's made a timeless film maybe that's that's the thing like we've watched other movies that are even newer than this and gone wow that's not holding up yeah he mm-hmm. made a he made a timeless film by setting it in some you know indeterminate past and making it Look like uh, making you
1: know, it so. not look like
3: other movies. Right. 2004 look. Right.
0: Yes.
1: Right. Right. I'm mainly just teasing Dunaway because it makes it sound like they're ta- that talkies <laughs> happened in 2004. <laughs> like,
2: like, ah, well, oh, do you remember when we got color, you guys? That was a 2004. I, was <laughs> I, everything is moving a lot faster, especially in the in the entertainment industry. I mean, it's just, well, it's just, you know.
3: Mm. And I promise you, 20 years from now, you'll look back and go, 2015 was very different than tw- 2005. But right now. You're too close to it. It, it like Change right. happens gradually, and you don't see it until you get far away from it. I, I promise you, at the time, in 1985, 75 didn't seem that different. Mm-hmm. Now we right. look at them and we're like, Wow. Night yeah. and day difference. Sure. Yeah.
0: yeah that, and that's the thing, right? I mean, the further, like I said, the further you get away from that. But didn't you feel recognize- like if
1: you were in uh, 85, I felt like 75 was 9,000 years ago. And when I was in 95, I felt like 85 was 9,000 years well, ago. Well, because you're a kid, though. And kid,
0: you know, as a kid, time time seems to go by a lot. Um, a lot faster in comparison to like you're know, basically saying oh here's what your parents were doing 10 years ago oh my
2: god how archaic yeah i could see that you know as that. you get older the, the the lines start getting blurred and and this is and time is a really interesting concept visually in this movie to me i i didn't bring it up earlier but there was a a point to say that 11 and a half year old is where everybody had these that's where everybody fit in and seemed to be their happiest so Bill Murray seemed to believe that 11 and a half was the best. Kate Blanchett kind of implied that that was her, you know, her best view or image of his character. Right. Uh, Owen Wilson, that's kind of when his height was. Also, he's carrying the kid and I'm I'm guessing he's maybe around supposed to portray like 11. So, in the beginning when uh when they're introducing the characters uh in in the original documentary Bill Murray is going through and listing the different characters and telling their ages. And I'm like, that's not even close because he says, you know, so-and-so is like 30. Like, yeah. it's like William Defoe is like 30, you know, he's obviously like 50 or more. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like, is that a play? Because Bill Murray is a liar and everything is near his fantasy. Or is it because it's supposed to be seen from an 11 and a half year old's perspective and to 11 and a half year old age, you know, a, a 20 year old is a, old like
1: it, when, I right, remember when right. I was a little kid I was like 10 and I'd see somebody who was 22 and I'd think oh my gosh dude how old yeah, are you? Right, right. And I've even had recently like a kid who's 7 or 8 I said how old do you think I am? And he goes you're probably like 25 or 30 <laughs> yeah. and, and I and I know he doesn't mean it as a compliment what he means is right. they don't know how to tell they just think it's, everything's old yeah it's Rain Man time like it's Rain Man money <laughs> Yeah. <basically. laughs>
0: everything's a hundred dollars about a hundred dollars yeah well said rain. well said rain. they're
1: in rain man rain. time i love that
3: i love ah, that rain man wow that's a i i hadn't really thought of it as a metaphor for childhood yeah but it kind, kind of is there, <laughs> there it is remember when you right. cared so much about watching your tv show when it came on every day mm-hmm. couldn't wait for matlock was that what it was yeah uh, <laughs> no uh
0: well, People's court wasn't Matt like Judge Wapner Judge Lopner. Wapner gotta got got, got got watch, right. got watch
1: Wapner gotta watch Wapner. Yeah, yeah. he was uh, that movie's great. We should do that one on the show. All right, here's uh some of the uh, Jeff Goldblum. We <laughs> should do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum talks again. I can
2: tell you as far as port Patois,
1: that is such a thing to hear him say, isn't <laughs> it's such it? Such a yeah. Jeff Goldblumism. Port-au-Portois.
0: Port-au-Portois. it took me a while. I oh, thought, yes, I thought it well, was, um, I,
3: yes. I, <laughs> I I thought he was saying Port Abattoir <laughs> yeah, that'd and be I was like that's the worst name for a place ever it took me a while
1: uh, here's oh this is good what the F are you doing in here I'm going to keep that forever that's a great clip never going away what the F are you doing in here uh, here's the uh, Klaus is the bomb I wrote this is a long one but it's kind of the stuff I love so here you go thanks a lot for not picking me what We're smack in the middle of a lightning strike rescue off, Klaus. What's the deal? I'm sick of being on B-Squad. Listen, you may be on B-Squad, but you're the B-Squad leader. Don't you know me and Esteban always thought of you as our baby brother? I've always thought
0: of you two as my dads. Please don't let anyone make fun of me for saying so. (laughs) (laughs) He's so good!
1: Oh my gosh, I'd do a, I want a whole spinoff of Klaus. Right, Klaus, the Klaus show.
0: I actually think a TV show, a Netflix Steve Zizou TV show would be fantastic. That's a brilliant idea.
1: I would love that. A very self, self self-referential, like, oh, that'd be great. Why not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is a great idea. Yeah, and today's the perfect time. If you're going to do it, and, this is now. Right today, exactly. And have it have it
0: be the documentary, Nick. like not not a continuation of this story, mm-hmm. but like it's Steve Zizu. It is the Life Aquatic with Steve Zizu. It's the show that he makes during this movie. Yeah, I love that.
2: Would you get Bill Murray though? What would you have to do?
0: Yeah, you get Bill Murray. All right. Well, he's done. Oh, if
2: you could get Bill Murray, you would definitely get. But well, actually, yeah, Bill
1: and Murray. he's done some Netflix things, so it's like you mm-hmm. know he's already yeah, got he's, contracts. He did
0: that Christmas special, and sure, yeah, why, why not? That's true
1: why not indeed here's uh, my final clip which is a phrase I'd never heard before so here you go I have a good excuse I'm part gay I'm part gay
0: (laughs) I I was trying to remember if that was referenced earlier in the film or something like uh, it was it was repeatedly referenced yeah not referenced using that
2: derogatory term to refer to him he was okay
1: your gay boyfriend yeah oh All right. oh right right I forgot about that you're right you're right there was some reference to that I was with actually,
3: And it's actually listed as a trope on TV tropes. Ooh. The trope is called By the Way. Oh. Ah. <laughs> the By Way. By the Way. Okay. You, you, you spend the whole movie referencing someone's bisexuality for no reason other than just to establish that they're bisexual. That's fantastic. I love it. Well, also,
1: what I love is the checklist. <laughs> Uh, here's the film tech checklist for uh, this here movie. Uh, aquamarine jumpsuits for everyone. Check. Got it. Good. That was great. Uh, stop motion uh, selfie was a brilliant idea. S- selfie. Oh, I meant sea life. I wrote selfie. All right. <laughs>
0: that was a <laughs> stop motion selfie. Yeah, I don't that know. That is that's a great done. idea, but yeah. You
1: know, and then I wrote this thing that I forgot I wrote, but Brian just said it. So this is too funny. I wrote, I want a William Defoe Klaus Dalmer spinoff. Check. I didn't, even hmm. think, you, I didn't even think about that until you just said it. Uh, Star Trek stuff. We are going to give it to Seymour Castle, the character who was played, or sorry, actor who played Esteban de Planter, who was the old guy that died from the shark fight. You barely saw him; he was hardly in this movie. Right. Uh, but on TNG, he played Lieutenant Commander Hester Delt in the second season episode of "The Child." The child was he swallowed whole. Was swallowed whole by the chew. No, child. he was chewed. Oh, he was chewed. <laughs> in,
3: in case, case you're unsure. Right. I love how Klaus just cannot catch up to what's going on right, the entire into. sequence. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, well, sound- where is he? Was he, <laughs> swallowed he, was, whole? <laughs> he was eaten. <laughs> oh, oh, and it ends with the it ends with the first thing in the movie that makes you realize that things are, are not not real. Uh He's got hydrogen psychosis. The crazy eye. Yeah, yeah. And they zoom in on his eyes. Yeah, that <laughs> was great.
1: I also forgot, we forgot to mention that everybody packs heat in this movie, which is really weird. Oh, right, yeah. They've all got well, a strap the on the their interns. legs. The, yeah, the interns are sure again. Yeah, yeah. Sure again. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those poor interns dragging their rigs around that ship. Oh, man, that was really well done. Um, all right, it's uh, soundtrack grade time. I'd give it an IC for incredibly charming. I love it. Uh, it's available via... Uh, so it's it's on all the streaming mu- music services, but you, you're you better off getting people's custom playlists where they find the stuff they don't include for streaming on the main soundtracks. Um, super easy to find. Just go search for it. You'll find a playlist, and it'll have every single song uh, in order that it was played in the movie, and they're all fantastic. It's a great soundtrack. Cool. It's really, really
3: good. Cool. The, uh, the bulk of it is David Bowie covers uh, uh, these acoustic performances by say George in poor yeah. in Portuguese all the time.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say you say me. <laughs> uh, it's really good. I liked it a lot. And, um, the, the mother's boss stuff is fantastic. Uh, super weird, quirky stuff and worth checking out. He also did the soundtrack to Thor Ragnarok to mention that again. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is explains a lot. Cause that thing had kind of a cool retro, um, I don't know what you'd call that Thor soundtrack. It's a combination of normal cinematic and then weird beats and Mm -hmm. the occasional. um, I need to listen to that. It's really good. I think you'd like it. I mean, you've seen the movie, so. Yeah, of course. I just didn't remember the music, so hearing the soundtrack separate from that would be great. Fun to go back. All right. It's time for the Twitter post. You guys sum up this movie in a hundred. Damn it. Two hundred and eighty characters or less. A <laughs> hundred, damn it! Uh, I do that every time. Uh, it's I,
2: just too I much. I think money we good.
0: still should adhere our, our rules to the initial requirements. Oh, look at things. that! Take that, Twitter! Screw I, you and your I, change.
3: Uh, no, okay. I sorry, I have it. I have two hundred and sixty-eight characters this week. I don't. I can't. I, uh, I don't
2: need two intros. linked. a hundred characters seconds. are just the title of this film
1: anyway. So. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I love long. It's one thing I'm excited about this year's Oscars. There's another one of those that uh, three bill, oh, billboards yeah. outside of ebbing, ebbing Missouri is so. I love yeah. long title movies because I want to yeah. just combine them all and say, you know, put the by the coward Robert Ford on you the right. internet. Yes, exactly. Oh, it'd be great. <laughs> anyway, let's start this time, as always, with Randy.
3: The Life Aquatic with Steve Zisu. First, you show something weird, then you say something weird, then everyone stares and doesn't react. Now do that eighty four more times, and you've got a movie, an adorable, rewatchable movie that's really pleasing to white people. <laughs> <laughs> they were and then, hey, man, they got a, they got a, you know, there's some
1: diversity in there. They got the, you know, it's kind of a uh, South American black diversity guy. that's really
3: pleasing to white people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: also, Brian Dunaway, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Good movies on Film Sack, extremely rare at this depth. Hashtag mm-hmm. Red Cap.
1: Nice job. <laughs> nice. Red Cap. I'm going to draw my version of him later. I'm so... Oh, it's, oh nice. Oh, good. It's burned oh. into my face. I can't not do it. Finally, rounding us nice out, sir. Brian Abbott. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. If Wes Anderson's
0: film career is a gastropub, this movie is the avocado toast. Oh. Kind of is is. really
3: pleasing to white people. See what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) You know, if you go look at
1: pictures, Wes Anderson around this, well, actually any picture of Wes Anderson, that guy is hipster incarnate. Yeah, he totally is. Right. He's, he's (laughs) never not, he's the original hipster as far as I'm concerned. He's never not hipster. Yeah.
3: Yeah. If if he I had actually,
0: a clothing line, that would be the slogan on on the uh, on the t shirt. Yeah, <laughs> never done hipster. Yeah,
3: combining like the hipsterism and white people pleasing. I actually I'm glad that Portlandia came up because I think it's I, I think there is a kind of comedy here mm-hmm. that is you know like its own little tiny genre. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't think of other examples off the top of my head. But well, there's feels...
1: you know the the um the the movies that uh, I can't think of their names now. The Hessen Hessmans. Anyway, Napoleon Dynamite the uh, oh. uh, yeah. oh, yeah. I can't think of Just their Hess. name. Hess. Brian, Brian and La- 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 Laruca or whatever name is Hess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, is it Brian Hess? No. Whatever it is. They're they are absolutely recipients of the backdraft that comes from anything Wes Anderson's doing. Like mm-hmm. they are they are yeah. straight up in that. In fact that that year you got one of the biggest hits of the year which was Napoleon Dynamite and it was very Wes Anderson. Right, uh, inspired that yeah thing. they're cut from the
0: same um tartan cloth or the same yeah. hipster <laughs> so trunk blanket cloth yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a
3: good a good 10 or 20 years ago i would have called these festival films does that mean anything to you guys sure 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 yeah. like, like, like uh festival we, films you yeah know, like it's
1: like, like the the here we get sundance and there's always a billion of these weird off kilter strange movies it's still true but it's I don't know they're more they're they're easier to get now, so maybe they're considered more mainstream. And certainly Wes Anderson's mainstream now, but I don't know. He's mainstream in a weird way; like he's respected b- by a broad audience, but it's his movies are still freaking weird. You know, it's not like nobody's approaching him and saying, "Hey, do you want to do, you want to do one of the Spider-Man sequels?" Wes Anderson?
0: He's not doing that's, that. You know what? That's funny. I, while we were, while I was watching the film, I was thinking that, like, making sure to ask us that, like, what film franchise if Tarantino can do a Star Trek. Yeah. What could what could you get Wes Anderson to do? Or what would you like to see Wes Anderson do?
1: Mm. Mm. Okay, I got one. Okay. Did you read the Marvel uh recent run of um Hawkeye by chance?
0: Oh, right. The um
1: What was uh, that called? was it just called yeah, Hawkeye? What,
0: what was the the
1: writer? I mean it's a uh, the art is so Wes Anderson. Like
0: Yeah, cut and the, out. the fact that it's all, you know, starts with a whole thing about a dog and yeah i i i
1: feel like that would be a really strong thing but i don't think they ever would do it but i i loved that series and it felt like he wrote it i think that yeah, and that it was, sounds weird people are hearing this going what hawkeye are you kidding no it's it's something special you should read that series
2: yeah dang it. i, I felt I like remember the,
0: the name that's always associated with that run of hawkeye yeah i right. can't remember it i
2: feel like there was a, a a stumble on the starsky and hutch uh film boot of the franchise <laughs> and i feel like wes anderson could yeah. bring a new a new life back to that with uh
3: yeah but that's a, that's too close to the bone like I, I i'm trying to take scott's advice here and imagine wes anderson starting over on the harry potter movies or something oh my lord oh, right now. it's like, right. insane <laughs> no I think, I
0: think that's right i mean i my thought is like a, a mission impossible Heist kind of movie because
1: that's where he excels is like these. Yeah,
3: because this is yeah. a heist movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Some sure. Way. Oh, now and that having- you know what, that's good. That's a good one.
0: Okay,
3: so he's going to remake the Italian Job, is what you're saying? Sure. So they, oh my god, that's perfect. a good one. That's a good already one. Already
1: wearing those bright colored jumpsuits anyway. So yeah. or yeah. these these oceans movies or you know any of those kind of heisty movies I think would work really well for him. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's a good pick. I mean as much and and. I mean, I don't want to completely throw it away because actually th- I would watch a Star and Hutch movie directed by Wes Anderson. <laughs> but like, you know, franchise films, the ones I'm really sick of, like Tran- Michael Bay, move over. Let's let's see what Wes Anderson does to a Transformers movie. Now, mm-hmm. given all this that- in a vacuum and let's say there were no money risks on the line. If you just said, hey, Wes Anderson, here's your challenge. You have two years to make us what you envision as a good Transformers movie. I would right. kill people to see that. Yeah, because what weirdness is? Yeah. Oh my gosh! What weirdness? <laughs> what weirdness is that going to turn out to be? Them down and destroy. Right. <laughs> so way, Matt, Matt Fraction. Kind of is might. I was trying to come up with. Oh, Matt Fraction. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, which his name so, alone
2: is Wes Andersony. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> totally. So this
2: yeah. this movie, The Life Aquatic, financially bombed. Yeah, yeah. right. Most yeah. of his hundred million did, did yeah. not make it the money back that it cost to produce. Yeah, most yeah, of so his movies Who's going to hand him the keys to a franchise?
0: No, well it's know. been he's you been could... successful since yeah. right? right and you
3: yeah. see what happened he start he like a movie like uh moonrise kingdom or grand budapest they they bring the budget way down uh this movie i think probably overpaid the actors yeah. like that's yeah. a, a big part of it yeah and and so he had to become a boutique filmmaker right like you're you don't know, want to work with wes anderson you need to take less money and he's still getting the you know the best cast, so.
1: No, and Bill Murray's still up for whatever. He's still like, yeah, I'll come in. I don't care. Whatever you're paying me, it's fine. Like he he was great in um, uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox. One of my favorite characters was his Badger character. He's fantastic in that. No, no pun intended. If you guys haven't seen that, you have to see that. It's so good. It oh is. my gosh, you're afraid. It's like this is this is actually. It's almost like an answer to one of those questions, like. What would a Wes Anderson movie look like that's not in the genre he's used to? And animation could could have been thought that way before Fox came out. Sure, like I would have gone. I, in fact, I remember at the time going, "What, really, Wes Anderson's animating something? This is weird." It is w- wondrous that movie, so good. Oh my gosh, George. Well, King. yeah, and yeah.
3: and and with that's his animated films, to, I love dogs. Yeah, yeah. The, the best thing about Wes Anderson animated films is you don't have to see that ugly mug of Owen Wilson ever. You just have to hear his voice. <laughs> he was a <laughs> he
1: was a coach a little soccer coach in that and that was it but he was yep. but he was like a mouse or oh, something oh i
2: forgot about that he was wasn't he yeah, yeah. and he
1: still had you know schwartzman's and that and all the people he always has in there are there but what a great movie love love that i would watch that now i'm gonna watch it this weekend screw you guys i'm watching fantastic mr fox later <laughs> okay um, all right Uh wow. here's uh did we yeah we did it but let's do the yeah. uh let's, let's do this let's do this. I have this this list here. These are the uh, alternate titles. They were just handed to me in an envelope. Let's see if these are accurate. Uh, First title was almost, uh, the movie was almost called The Hairy Belafonte. (laughs) Because, you know, it's named after him. And this this other one, I think, is a little too uh, on the nose, but it was almost called, wow. All right, hey, there you go. Uh, (laughs) Let's do an email real quick from John Phillips, who wrote in to the show saying this. Uh, This is for FilmSack, the one about Catwoman. Not sure if if I told any of you yet, but during the show, what? Not sure if I told any of you yet. Well, anyway, yeah, you know, you're telling us now. During the show, you wondered which character has the most appearances on film. Batman has nine. Catwoman with eight. So that's mm-hmm. confirmed. Uh, here are the it's list of Batman. appearances. Uh, the going by first appearance and then onward. Lewis Wilson in 1943. He was the OG. Uh, Robert Low- Lowry in 90 uh, in 49. Adam West in 66. Big jump, big chunk of time with no Batman. Yeah, uh, Michael Keaton in eighty nine, Kevin Conroy ninety two, Val Kilmer in ninety five, uh, George Clooney in ninety seven, Christian Bale in 05, and Ben Affleck in sixteen. Now, uh, Catwoman, oh yeah, Kevin
0: ahead. Conroy, which was a voice only, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. From the from it the doesn't series. include like Will, uh, you know, Lego Batman, Will um, Arnett. Arnett.
1: Oh, or or the, there are other actors who do the voice there of been Bab- a bunch? Batman. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, the guy, you know, the guy who's who's Commander Pike in the new Star Trek movies. Um, oh, yeah, Lee, Greenwood, Bruce Greenwood. Greenwood. Bruce Greenwood. Mm-hmm. He's a great Batman voice giver in lots of Batman cartoons. So yeah, we're skipping. Yeah, I was I was purposely not including the
0: audio Batman or audio Catwoman women. But um, man, I forgot. Didn't realize there were two OG Batman before Adam West. I don't know if you should count those. <laughs> well, they were,
1: and they and they were also serials. They weren't full features, sure. so who knows? Very well, but they visually portrayed
0: him on screen, which I do, which it does count.
1: Oh, I guess yeah. that's true. So we're not going to count. We're taking we're taking Comroy out, even though he's fantastic and we all love him. But we're taking him out. Uh, Catwoman. Yeah, this
3: is this is just a really hard bit of trivia to get right. Yeah, I agree. You have to you have to put these parameters down, and then you have to imagine what characters fit. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. like yeah. it's it's huge. And this, he
1: says, this yeah. doesn't include television appearances, which is why Adam West is there for sixty six, because that's the movie one. But uh, I did that go to theaters or was that straight to? Well, there was TV? the theater. There was
0: the one film that did go to
2: theaters. Yeah, uh, that's the one I think he's counting. Set, yeah.
1: yeah, that must be what he's counting. I didn't know it went to theaters though. I wonder if it was just a TV two hour thing or something. But, no, it went
2: to the theaters, didn't it?
1: You can go yeah, to. Yeah. You could have gone to a theater and you seen that. And, was,
3: yeah, absolutely. Oh, my. Wish I was alone and I there. just, I just want to say, I'm, I'm pretty sure Lego Batman is my favorite Batman movie. I'm pretty mm. sure.
1: Yeah, people what? love that thing. It, I don't, so I don't what? think Randy's alone. I think there are a lot of people who feel that way.
0: Over the Dark Knight, no, you're crazy, and stop it.
3: <laughs> oh, it's just like it's the stop voice being crazy. It's the voice role that Will Arnett was born to play. It's everything about the movie. It's just amazing. It has Kimmy Schmidt.
1: She's You're she's crazy. the irascible yeah. or no? What's her what's her thing? The incredible? No, the unstoppable. The unbreakable. 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 <laughs> I couldn't think of the name. These are all like bad action movie names, and I couldn't think of the one that's the right one for her. All right, uh,
3: Ellie Ellie Kemper is the actress's name, but she mm-hmm. needs to just change her name to Kimmy Schmidt.
1: There you go, nailed it. Uh, by the way, the Catwoman actresses include Lee Meriwether in '66, Michelle Pfeiffer in '92, Halle Berry in 04, and Hannah Hathaway in 2012. I think they're missing a Catwoman from. Oh, that was the TV show, so that doesn't count. If these are just movies, then that's, I guess that's right.
0: Oh, so he's... Okay. Well, was uh, Kevin Conroy... They, did, an
1: they animated... did a movie. Yeah, they had an animated okay. film. They, okay. But it, right. but it was still a cartoon, so I don't know if it counts. If we're talking oh, live sure action, you take him out. out. Yeah. I uh,
3: I will bet you the actual <laughs> list, including everybody who's ever played Batman on TV shows and movies, I'll bet you it's over 25 people.
1: mm yeah. That movie, by the way, I think was Mask of the Phantasm.
0: Oh, it totally was. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, because we're not counting the the two actors who play right. Batman and Catwoman on Gotham. Um, oh, was that, uh, right. No TV. What was the one that focused on the three women? Um, Birds of Prey?
1: Oh, yeah. Birds of Prey. Catwoman. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, dude. That was a thing, wasn't it? That was a thing. Uh, well, there you go. Thanks for the email. Right. This is great. We love yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah. John Phillips. Send totally. us more. John Phillips, Souza. Uh, that's not really his boy, name. boy.
3: Kevin Kevin Conroy voiced a lot of Batman stuff. Tons of Batman.
1: It? Oh, he is considered the, the your de facto animated voice, even though there's some other decent guys doing it. I think he. It's it's like the it's like Mark Hamill's Joker, um, but on the Batman side, nobody wants anyone but that guy.
2: Like
3: a, I, I just found one called The Batman versus Dracula. Have you ever heard of this? No. The Batman versus Dracula. The uh, Batman and Bruce Wayne are voiced by. Reno Romano?
1: Oh yeah, Reno Romano from um, hey, hey, hey.
0: um <laughs> no. everybody goes to Reno. <laughs> Not at all.
3: Reno Seriously. Williams. You, like there is there is an enormous list of people who have played Batman.
1: Yeah, they're yeah. If you count all the shows and animated shorts and everything, it's ridiculous. But um but we appreciate you guys doing the research out there for us so that we can talk about it here on the show. Do the work for us. Filmsack at gmail.com <laughs> is the email address to use going to do it for us. By the way, if you'd like to uh, check out the site and see what's going on over there, filmsack.com is the place to go. You can also uh, check us out on Twitter, at filmsack. And while you're at it and you're out there messing around with Google Play, iTunes, or wherever it is you get and listen to your podcasts, leave us reviews there. It helps us in lots and lots of ways. That's going to do it for us. Oh, next week. Hold on. Uh, next week is a special uh, watch-along for some C- Steven Seagal thing.
3: Yes, we're gonna watch the perfect weapon.
1: The perfect weapon, and this is newish.
3: Are
0: we
1: right? To assume
0: that that the perfect weapon that is mentioned is Steven Seagal.
3: No, I think the whole movie is the perfect <laughs> weapon against insomnia. Oh, <laughs> great!
1: Great. Or the perfect ally in great. insomnia. So, are we
0: doing a watch along or a sleep along? What are we
3: doing? <laughs> Something like that.
1: All right, watch along, sleep along. That's next week, right here on FilmSack. So check that out. It's uh, going to do it for us, for me, for Brian, for Brian, and for Randy. We'll see you next time. Wow. 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 This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.
3: That mattress, you've got to destroy that mattress.
1: That's not a clip from this movie.